Welcome to Leaving a Legacy, a podcast focusing on the legacy format and the New England magic experience with your host, Adrian. I, and I think Tin Fins is just, um, it could, maybe it's crack. And Jerry. I'm going to say two things to you right now, and they're going to contradict each other. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one pairings have been posted. Good after morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 17 of everyone's favorite internal podcast, Leaving a Legacy. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Jerry Me, joined here by my good friend, Adrian. How's it going, Adrian? Good. How you doing, Jerry? Ah, doing well, doing well. It almost sounds like you said internal podcast. <laughs> internal, yes. You're internalizing everything that you have to say. We're going to be very introspective tonight. Yes. It's going to be, be deep, metaphysical. We're, there's going to be crying. There's going to be laughing. <laughs> it's going to get messy with all those emotions all over It's mostly crying. Just mostly crying. <laughs> Why, are, are you going to cry at the Treasure Cruises band? No, I'm actually not. I, I actually haven't played Treasure Cruise in a while now. I've been purposely building decks without Treasure Cruise just because I got bored of it. Yeah. I got bored of seeing it. I got bored of playing against it. I would have rather see Delver get banned, but I'll take Treasure Cruise. Yeah. Um... I also would have liked to see Delver be banned just because I think that would have been fun. It would have been a great way to shake up the legacy format and really make people experiment again mm-hmm. uh, in ways that they haven't in a long time. But Treasure Cruise is definitely the band-aid. Yeah, I guess I'm just... Either either way, I suppose I'm just content that Delver got a kick in the nuts. Yeah. Um, I, I really wonder if Blue-Red is still going to stay around as a deck. Uh, I One thing I do like about Treasure Cruise is it got a lot of people who weren't into Legacy before into, like, you know, into the format, because Blue Red Delver, other than the Volcanic Islands and the Force of Wills, is a really cheap deck. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, most of the cards in it are commons that were printed pretty recently, just Delvers, Lightning Bolts, you know, Forked Bolts is like $5, but in the grand scheme of things in Legacy, that's nothing. Forest Bolt is like $5, but it wasn't before GP New Jersey. Yeah, that too. It's also, you know, $20 for a playset is not going to break the bank. Hmm. Um, And the deck doesn't run Wastelands. Really, just the only things holding it back were Volcanic Islands. And of all the Legacy decks that could get away with running Shocklands, Blue Red Delver is probably the best, because it's going to kill you quicker than that two damage from playing it untapped is really going to come into play. I can think of one other deck that can get away with the Shocklands. Yeah, uh, there. I mean, decks can get away. I'm, I'm guessing you're thinking of Death Shadow. That <laughs> I mean, Death Shadow wants the Shocklands. <laughs> as far as decks that don't specifically want the Shocklands, but right, can play right. them, I would say Blue Red Delver probably gets away with it the best. Yeah, I, I've been. Um, I've actually been debating it myself with Tin Finch just to see if I actually want the children to regain more life for me or not. Just to see if it actually mattered. But. Oh yeah, because I mean, with Tin Finch, it's always the awkward. It's in seven life point chunks. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But, I mean, so, with Treasure Cruise getting banned, I'm okay with that. I, I do like that a bunch of people entered into the format that probably wouldn't have been able to enter in if Treasure Cruise hadn't been printed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just really interested to see if Blue-Red sticks around. It's it's still definitely, you know, a, a one tier 1.5 deck. It was a tier 1.5 deck before Treasure Cruise was printed. It's just Treasure Cruise pushed it into tier 1 territory. Hmm. Do you remember uh, Jay Richardson's Blue-Red deck? I mean, just before Treasure Cruise, that's the last blue-red deck that I saw that just, man, was that thing freaky. 
Oh yes, he he was he went the Blood Moon plan. He was running uh, Magnus of the Moon and Blood Moon main deck. Uh, he was I, what was he doing? Uh, Magus of the Moon main deck, Blood Moon sideboard. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. That is what it was. Yeah, it was just um, really heavy on the uh, stifle gain. So lots of wasteland stifle, uh, and then if you did manage to get any lands to stick around, Blood Moon basically made them worthless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, oh jeez, like main deck Flusterstorms and True Name Nemesis and. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that was a that was a scary deck to play against, anyway. Yep. And then even before that was uh, I'm, I'm gonna just gonna keep bringing it up. Uh, blue red stifle knot was uh, one of the incarnations of blue red in the first place. Okay. Um, because it ran Delver and basically Delver counterburn, and its like finishing move was the uh was the Phyrexian dreadnought stifle. Okay. And dreadnought was almost in that deck as an afterthought because it was running as the blue red deck choking them on mana with Wasteland and Stifle, and since they're running Stifle already and they have the spots for it, they just threw Phyrexian Dreadnought in as a combo piece. Mm. Um, which is really good, because they could either play as a tempo deck, or in the matchups where they really needed that big threat, they could throw the Dreadnought out there and uh, go to town. Um, also with the banning list, I was taken completely by surprise, and I probably owe a lot of people apologies that I said would this would never happen, but they unbanned World's Gorger Dragon. Yeah, I, uh, I I noticed that. I don't know if you can actually enlighten me here because I don't. I never. I never. I never played this little deck here. But what do you know about the Four Horsemen deck? The Four Horsemen. Um, have, you, I, have you ever heard of it? I have, but I've never heard of Four Horsemen running World's Gorger Dragon. In well, no, no. Four Horsemen was just recently banned as a deck. I forget how they banned it as a deck, but they managed to. They broke the deck apart. Basically, like, like oh yeah, it went, I know. it went into like a randomized shuffle thing using Ebrancool that couldn't be. You yeah, didn't I know how long it was going to take, but eventually the odds were it was going to end up some way. I'm not familiar terribly with the deck, but like yeah. as soon as I heard that World of Gorgeous Dragon was unbanned, you know, people were comparing how the infinite loop goes, and the inf- I mean, and we can. Uh, I don't know if we want to ask get CJ in on that anyway, but the infinite loop isn't necessarily like. If, if I know if I entomb yeah. World Gorgeous Dragon and animate it, we end up in a draw. Unless yeah. I have something to do. Yeah, I can, I can definitely explain that. Um, so what the Four Horsemen deck was is using uh, a mirrored income and uh, was a blasting station. Uh, they basically set up a infinite loop where they would keep milling themselves, dealing uh, one point of damage at a time. Um, but the problem is in tournament play... Sometimes they wouldn't mill themselves and hit the Emrakul in the right way, so that they would have to basically restart the process. And a lot of judges, particularly because this deck is annoying to play against, because it basically involves you watching your opponent play with themselves, mm-hmm. uh, they they ruled that it they wouldn't be allowed to do the combo because they weren't progressing the game state. They were doing a bunch of actions but it wasn't actually doing anything to move the game forward. So unless they got the combo off, uh, they would be, it would basically be ruled as slow play. The thing why people who played Four Horsemen were very annoyed with that is because they could just restart the combo all over again. If they fizzled, all they had to do is move to their second main phase and then redo the combo, and almost always they went off again. But a lot of judges wouldn't let them do it. They would rule it a slow play if they fizzled it the first time. 
So that's why people weren't really allowed to play Blasting Station again. Uh, no, not Blasting Station. Four Horsemen, which runs Blasting Station. And the reason why people are comparing that to World's Gorger Dragon is the, you know, go-to original combo with World's Gorger Dragon was Animate Dead. Yeah. So Animate Dead is a reanimation spell that's fallen out of favor since Abrupt Decay was printed, just because Abrupt Decay destroys it. And uh, Animate Dead is an enchantment for one colorless, one black. When it comes into play, you put a creature from your graveyard uh, into play with Animate Dead enchanting it. If Animate Dead leaves play, you have to sacrifice the creature. World's Gorger Dragon reads, when it comes into play, exile all other permanents uh, that you own. Return them to play when World's Gorger Dragon leaves play. Mm-hmm. So you animate dead World's Gorger Dragon. Uh, World's Gorger Dragon comes into play. All your lands, all your permanents in Animate Dead itself gets exiled. When Animate Dead gets exiled, it's no longer enchanting World's Gorger Dragon, and now you have to sacrifice the World's Gorger Dragon. World's Gorger Dragon goes to your graveyard, and everything comes back. The reason why you did this combo is because when everything comes back, your tapped lands come back into play untapped. You can tap them for mana, float a bunch of mana, and then animate dead, since it's coming back into play, triggers, and allows you to target the World Gorger Dragon and do the cycle all over again, netting you infinite mana. Mm-hmm. The way you ended the cycle was you targeted something other than World's Gorger Dragon with Animate Dead. Mm-hmm. That would break the cycle. You would have whatever the other creature was in play and infinite mana. So and then at this point, you just need like another Entomb in your hand for Grizzlebrand or something. Right, or even just having another creature in your graveyard or your opponent's graveyard just, you know, as a matter of course of the game. Mm-hmm. The problem, why World's Gorger Dragon, one of the reasons it was banned in the first place, half of it was because it would, back in the day that was very powerful, you know, getting infinite anything tends to win you the game. Um, but the other reason was because if there was no creature in the graveyard, you didn't have an Entomb, there was no creature in either graveyard, that would cause an infinite cycle with no way to break it because there's no other legal target other than World's Gorger Dragon. So the game would just go into this infinite loop of exile, return, exile, return, exile, return. And so it was the game gets ruled as a draw, and you would have to play another game. So what people were doing is in matches where they weren't able to win, mm-hmm. they would do that combo specifically without another target to draw the game. Right. And as any tournament organizer knows, drawn games that result in having to play a fourth game are a headache for TOs to run. Alright, so we're just adding somebody to the call here. And this is, uh, this is somebody that really, little known fact, this, you were the first guest ever <laughs> that, on like the, the never released episode because I didn't figure out how to press record yet. Um, something like that, but we got Houston with us. <laughs> What's up, guys? Oh, how's it going, man? How you been? It's going good. It's going good. Also known as Ginger Ale on the internet. Yeah, TNS Ginger Ale from Yeah, Thomas John Man. calls me Houston on the show, and I'm like, you know there's like some people that don't know who that is. <laughs> like, I, I put a nickname in there for a reason, because when we started, I, was, I wasn't I was sure if I was going to like be okay with my identity or my real name being out there, so I just kept it Ginger Ale. <laughs> Yeah. The cover, I didn't know how the fan base would be or whatever, but he calls me on the show. I'm like, dude, just go with it. Yeah. Were, were you afraid of, like, getting hits called on you? Like, fans getting really offended and tracking you down? <laughs> well, like, 
I, I didn't really want to have an identity until I knew what I was doing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was you just watched that uh, that Stephen King movie where like the the lady like traps the writer and breaks his legs and oh misery. Yeah, misery. Uh, if you were afraid of a misery situation, <laughs> some uh, crazy. I mean, if they come to my house, I would probably just start laughing. <laughs> like, really? You don't have someone better to stalk? Like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can name off like ten other people that would be way more interesting to stalk than me. I don't know why he chose me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like someone that loves books hunting down a blogger, and then someone that loves like radio hunting down a podcaster or something. <laughs> You know, like some famous radio personality. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it are you look... It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. Well, before you jumped on, we were just kind of going over a little bit of the band-restricted list and kind of reacting to the whole uh, uh, World Gorger Dragon getting unbanned. Infinite Mana. Infinite Mana. Who doesn't love Infinite Mana? I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with Infinite Mana. <laughs> yeah, I think you could do everything I would hope with so. Infinite Mana. <laughs> Um, like, you can cast it on missions and not need that mana. Balefire comes to mind. Mmm, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I think the old school one was, like, the old Fireball, or uh, what was the black one that drained, what, uh, drained life, actually. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cute. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how the modern development works out. You know, it's been almost, actually more than 10 years since World Gorger was legal, so that's a whole lot of cards and interactions that we get to experiment with. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm going to bother the Shallow Greyback either. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it has to be done with Animate Dead. Yeah, which it's just what, it's, it's what I want to actually put in a deck, yeah. yeah. Right, which, which got a lot worse with the printing of Abrupt Decay, so I almost wonder if that's why they decided it was finally safe to uh, unban it. Was because now abrupt decay is out. They have an instant, uh, an instant answer to deal with breaking the infinite combo. Sure, that makes sense. Hey, how much legacy are you still doing? I mean, this is. I wanted to. I wanted to talk with you about proxies, really. And I, I know. Oh, I can definitely talk about proxies. Yeah. Just like what recent experience and all that stuff. So um, yeah, that's not a problem. Like I just recently moved, so I haven't found a legacy group here. Um, but, you know, I can still speak on it. You know, and I still keep up with the meta and stuff like that, even if I'm not playing. Where'd you move to now? Because you were, you were I'm in Nashville, East Tennessee. Right? Yeah, I'm in East Tennessee back with my folks. Okay. My roommate moved back to California. So Traffic. going to a single apartment is quite a big budget jump. So Yeah, I'm, I'm in that same boat right now, actually. Yeah, I, so. Well, I set up um, our proxy tournament because I was working at the store. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can speak on that, too. Yeah, oh, perfect. Yeah, that's but, even better. Uh, yeah, I'm curious if you found a way for it to kind of work successfully or, you know, what the... I kind of got my own... I guess, I don't know how to put it. Like, I've been proxying up cards lately anyway. And, um, you, like, I just made a foil proxied version of a deck that I like to play just so I didn't have to keep it together all the time with me. Um, but, like... It's just the motive. The motivation is kind of what is it that I'm supporting when I go to a proxy event. Like, there's there's a place that's doing like proxy events for five dollars, and that's kind of cool because I can bring this foiled out, pimped out version and play a dark ritual like that looks like no other dark ritual seen, and I think that's kind of cool. Um, and if they don't like that dark ritual, I'll just break out the legal deck anyway because it's like a cheap cheap tournament. But when it's like ten dollars and you know kids want to foil up blue red Delver. I just want to stay home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay if they have sweet, 
proxies. Like, that's almost one of my favorite part about proxy tournaments is people getting to play magic with their own personal art that they choose. If they want to play, like, a Geist of Saint Trapped with Obi-Wan Kenobi on it. Sure. Or just, like, anything awesome like that. My problem with proxy tournaments is when it comes to kids showing up with a deck of 60 basic lands turned over backwards and Sharpie written on the back. Sure. And I think that's part of my thing, too, is, like, how much have you invested in the format? Not just, like, by getting the cards, but how much of yourself have you invested in your deck? How much time have you taken to create your own artwork? How much time have you actually sat down to try to play this deck out? Like, is it... Like, there's, there's more... You know, a person playing a deck, a lot of times, is more invested than just what the deck is worth. Really, it's it's the amount of time that you've taken to play the deck and to learn your matchups and to learn, you know, what you're doing and what the format looks like, you know. And of course, proxy tournaments is a great place to learn that. Right. And I guess it's kind of getting to the root of the tournament. Like, what's the tournament for? Is it for just kids who want to come and dick around, or is it for people who actually want to learn the format and get better, or like dip their toes in it before dropping big bucks and investing? Is this really the right format for me before I drop the money to actually buy the deck? Because I also would do that, too, is go to proxy tournaments and play a deck that I didn't necessarily have all the cards yet, but I was thinking about getting the cards, but I didn't know if the deck was good enough for me to warrant, you know, dropping a couple hundred dollars on those missing pieces. Sure, sure. Well, I'll tell you how I started one when I was working at at a Middle Tennessee store. Mm -hmm. So, um, we, my friends group that was at the store were wanting to get into Legacy, you know. We had... We had dipped into modern easily with, you know, like rotating staples we'd keep. You know, we eventually got to where we had a lot of the staples for modern. That was an easy transition. But it was kind of to the point where it's like I'm starting to see some dual lands around, starting to get some connections on legacy staples. And I'm like, I'm really interested in this format, and I always have been. Let's let's go for it because I heard it's more skill intensive, which we're not going to start that debate for. I'm sure there's some listeners that completely disagree. I think it's one of the one of the most going to the formats, and that was exciting for me because I had I knew nothing about it, and I was like more skill intensive than you know what I'm trying to learn in standard or modern. That's crazy. So I was like I'm really interested in this, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of expanding my game and playing with you know a lot of different cards or old cards that I don't get to play with anymore or whatever. So. We were starting to get into it, and then I pitched to my the the owner, um, my boss. I said, "Hey, you know how much legacy support has been in this area? You know, there's there's like three or four stores within thirty minutes in all directions. You know, how many people have you know?" And he's like, "Oh, we've tried. Some people have tried, and they've did like a special event or a donate canned food or whatever. You know, they they've tried that stuff, but nothing really s- stuck." and um, I was like, why, why don't we try a proxy event? You know, it would be unsanctioned. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'll come up with, you know, a pitch to you next week or next time I see you, and we'll go from there. And he said, all right. Because he, cause he his concern was how I want to start Legacy. We have Legacy staples. If we do proxies, how do we sell Legacy staples? Yeah. And, and so I went home, spent probably too many hours on just breaking down and and asking around i was asking my friends i was asking people in the store that i I thought would be interested or financially able to Mm -hmm. jump into this format and i came up with you get free 10 proxies Mm -hmm. they have to be full color they cannot stick out of the sleeve and they can't have a comparison like thickness difference like 
Right, right. A little right. bit is okay, but not to where you can like easily tell while you're shuffling. Um, and, and that's a little bit of a judgment of a fine tooth comb, if you will. But mm-hmm. um, it you get ten, and then you are able to go over that. Tournament entry is five dollars, but every card you go over ten is fifty cents. And I like that. And and I'll tell you why I like that. Um, you know, you're allowed ten proxies, and most decks it might be Force of Will and Wasteland, right? Sure. And then the cards that are, that are beyond that, do you want to pay fifty cents to proxy up the card? Or do you just want to walk over to the case and buy a damn brainstorm? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Exactly. And, and people, to be fair, when you get into Legacy and you really like a deck, or when you like any deck, it doesn't even have to be Legacy. You want to get the cards. You want to play with the real cards. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of our players. It's not that they don't want to use the real cards. It's not that they don't want to buy them. It's either they can't or it's a freaking Tarmogoyf that costs, <laughs> you know, their rent for the month, right. which yeah, is right. just not, or, or they're just not around, you know. And there's some people that just don't even like ordering online, so it has to be in the area, which I definitely respect. But right, yeah. But adding that 50 cents per, and you have to do that every tournament. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like a one-time thing. Right. And and that's to balance out, you know, if someone comes with their pimped out or nice or they have every card of their legacy deck and plays a guy that has a bunch of proxies, there's some feel-bads there if the proxy player beats the guy that's got the real cards. You know, that guy may not want to come back. He's like, I paid the same amount as that guy. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. But if you sit down at the table and and you know that guy put in, like, an extra $5 to play, you're right. like, cool, that's more money than I can potentially get, and we're also bringing in a bigger crowd. It starts to even the playing field, yeah. Yeah, so so I was hoping, you know, with that balance, that it, it, would, it would be a subtle encouragement to at least buy, you know, the $50 and under staples. You know, we understand Dual Lands, we understand Tarmogoyce, we understand... You know, those cards that are just hundreds of dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what those proxies are for. Jesus and forces. And yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, forces are, they're not terrible. I mean, they're still under 100. I know that sounds crazy. It's, if you can, yeah, you know, standards I mean, uncommon, when you kind of look at, you know, standards. It's not an underground C. <laughs> right. And even standard staples are getting close to that as well. You yeah. Know, there are some standard staples that are like $30. And you're like, well, <laughs> I could... I could either buy a place out of these standard staples or I could get two Force of Wills. Sure, mm. sure. Uh, um, yeah, I like that too because it's almost like the difference between leasing your deck and buying it. Uh, I can, you know, if, if I'm saving up my money but I, uh, to buy these cards but I don't want to miss out on the tournaments, I can pay that small fee while I'm waiting to buy the cards and ideally you're getting store credit which furthers you along that path in the first place. So eventually you just end up being able to buy them outright, and now you have confidence in your deck because you've had you know months of playing it under your belt. Yeah. It also amplified trading a little bit on, uh, since we had it on Sundays, it amplified trading on Sundays. Yes. Because we had two guys that, you know, that had played forever. They're hoarders, collectors, make good money, buy cards all the time. You know, those guys that come in, and they would, they would if you were friends with them, I mean, it, you don't have to be a, you can't be a random person, but if you came in and say, I want to play Legacy, to one for sure, maybe even both of them would be like, yeah, we're bros, here's a deck, play it. Mm-hmm. You know? And he would yeah. have he would have it all ready to go. And he wanted to, they wanted to thrive that community or start that community up. So, And if you needed to borrow cards and he had them and he didn't mind, then he would do that as well. But 
when you borrow cards a couple times, you're going to want to trade it off of them, you know? Exactly. So that that also brings awareness to everyone at the table and that person that this person has those cards that you need. If the store doesn't have it, this guy's got it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, we've had uh, up here, we've tried to do proxy events a couple of times. And, you know, at one point we I proxied up, I think, two or three just full decks. And it was like, what, I don't know, Esper Deathblade or some just the, the elves, but it never really went off. You know, and, like, we have a strong legacy community up here, like, um, but I noticed, you know, for example, I noticed that in parts of Connecticut, they can get, actually get a legacy event off every week, or no, every day of the week, but when they do, they might be lucky to get ten people, whereas up here, we have one every Sunday, and we get at some some weeks over thirty. You know, it's like, awesome. Yeah, it's a really strong. There's a really strong legacy community up here, and it's a lot of really good players too. Yeah, we're getting to the point where we may start have like running out of room. There just isn't <laughs> enough players. To be, uh, the room can like sit, I would say, about thirty six people, and there are some days where we get close. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot worse problems. There yeah. are worse. Yeah, it's a good problem. <laughs> but yeah, so on, so on on the flip side of that, I like uh, how you said you balanced it as a way for the store to still maintain profitability to not just tell players, oh, you don't need to buy cards from us anymore. Right. Yeah. But here's a way to get you interested in actually liking those cards because people aren't going to buy Legacy Staples in the first place if they don't have a reason to play them. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, we didn't have anybody hardly ever that went over 10 proxies. Most people mm-hmm. really sought out the, you know, the bits of their deck that they needed enough to get down to all I need left is... Tarmogoyce and Dual Lands, which was, right. uh, or Bob's. I mean, those were the big, yeah. big, mm-hmm. most proxied cards, I guess. So, I would definitely say your story is a success story. Uh, my, the, there's a store which will remain nameless, but it's in the, uh, Boston, Cambridge area, uh, that is kind of the opposite and flip side of your version. Um, they had a pretty good legacy selection. I liked going there to, to get cards, uh, when I couldn't make it out to Worcester to That's Entertainment. Um, and they had legacy events, but their events were unlimited proxies. Uh, you could have as many as you want, doesn't matter. They had no re- real regulation as far as what the proxies could be. You could just write it on slips of paper or just on the back of basic lands. And, People stopped buying legacy cards there because there was no reason to actually buy them because they could just proxy them whenever they want. So the store stopped carrying legacy cards, which was annoying. And then I went to the tournament maybe two, three times, but eventually I just got so fed up of sitting down across from a player playing, you know, goblins or uh, ad nauseum tendrils, and the entire deck was just swamps with Sharpie written on it. Like, I'm sitting there struggling to read. I, I think I remember I telling one kid, he was, like, playing goblins, and he uh, tried, uh, you know, activating, uh, you know, something that he wasn't allowed to do. And I'm just like, no, you can't do that. That's not allowed. And the only reason why I know that is because I know the deck, and I know what these cards do. Whereas if I didn't know this deck, you would totally be just be running me over and basically cheating because you're doing things that your cards aren't able to do. Right. Yeah. Well, it's also super bitter when you get your spell countered by FOW, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like super feel bad. It's like, dude, you didn't even write the card name out. No Come mana on. cost, no nothing. Like, I do that when I'm testing a standard deck because I know what it is and that's what matters, you know? And most people know the standard, that I sit down with know the standard cards. But, like, 
that's just for testing. Like when I'm in a tournament, if I'm gonna use proxies, I want all the information on there, even the wording, you know, because that could be relevant. You know what my biggest pet peeve is? People who just write fetch. Oh, well, actually, yeah. Right, so here's <laughs> like, I'm like, whatever well, land which, I want. Yeah, like which? Oh, you have a, you have a rainbow fetch. Wow, I really wish they print that one for yeah. me. <laughs> I, um. So yeah, actually, we got the chance. I was playing with Celso at um. I know he was telling you about Carl's Diner and about the TE event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, before the event started, we were sitting down. I had tin fins, and he had proxied up Burning Reanimator. And, like, the, 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 his his method of shorthand is to circle the black and red on the back of a magic card, and that's a Badlands. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, no, I can get That makes more sense doing. than fetch. Houston, last time we talked to you, you were, uh, you were playing Burn. Are you uh, still on Burn right now? I know you're not playing as much anymore, but... Yeah, like, I still am, still aiming to foil it out, so work, nice. work, working on that. But um, since I have moved away from the used-to-be thriving legacy environment, which isn't there anymore, that all that tournament that I talked about earlier just doesn't exist anymore, really. But you took, I, took your ball and went home as soon as you left it dried up? No, I mean... Um, I mean, I don't, I don't work for them anymore. But um, there, there was someone I was going to bring up earlier. But there was someone um, from a com- another store in the area, competitor store, that turned our store in. Um, oh yeah, I for proxies, that. for proxies, and um, for giving out F and M promos on Saturday. Were they, and which are allowed to do now? <laughs> were they sanctioning the proxy event? No. It was not a sanctioned event. It was, it was a, just it was a casual. It, well, yeah. It, I, I mean, any. Uh, first, first, I'll say that we're handing out. Uh, we handed out F and M promos to players on Saturday that left early on Friday because a lot of times it gets really late. It's like eleven thirty, <laughs> yep. and they're like, "I have to go to work tomorrow morning. I'm going to yep. leave." And it's like, "Cool, I'll catch you tomorrow. You're going to be here tomorrow. You know, they come yeah. by tomorrow, uh, Saturday even for." the Saturday Night Magic, I just give them their FNM promo. So apparently they just saw me do that or saw someone else do that and mm-hmm. just went, hey, Wizards, guess what? They're giving them out on the next day or whatever, you know. Whatever. Yeah, the worst part is you're allowed to do that now with the new FNM rules updates. I mean, that's good because that was the, like the dumbest thing to turn in ever. But, yeah. uh, I mean, I understand why that rule existed, but uh, that was just, you know, um, still sucks. That, that, that was just going too far. But, I think the situation from talking to some judges and some people that have dealt with wizards before as as opposed to like communicating with the stores and whatnot is like it, it's not that they necessarily disallow it from happening because they want people to play the game and I'm sure at some capacity they understand that a limited amount of proxies could encourage players to buy more cards, right? Like I was trying to pitch earlier anyway. Yeah. But if someone goes to them, sends them a rec- or you know, a report turning our store in and says this affiliation is, you know, running a tournament with proxies in it, then it would be, they have to, they have to protect their brand and their product. So they have, they have, I feel like they have to react. And that was why, you know, because if there was somebody that was running a full proxied sanctioned tournament, then you have to act on that, right? Because it's proxies. But then we have 10 proxies. It's still proxies. It's still under that same category. So, you know, but, but, they still feel like they have to act, and they don't want to go with corner cases on it, so I understand. Sure. But 
they told us that we could not have them in the store ever. Yeah. That's what we were t- having to tell, like, EDH players not to for a while until it kind of, oh, like, wow. led back in. Because it, it always bleeds back in. No, was you know? it, were, the, were those sanctioned? They weren't sanctioned events, though, right? No, no. no. Well, and they still, they still, so they still determined that you couldn't have proxy events in the store even though they yeah. were unsanctioned. Well, this this is from my boss. This is The email conversation was told to me through my boss because he communicated with him because I didn't have, I wasn't there when it got mm-hmm. sent in or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he just said that he sent back. You know, it's it's uh, it's unsanctioned and whatever. But they said you know, you're still not supposed to have them in a in a store. You know, encouraging it. Yeah, yeah. You sell magic cards. You sell our products. You know, and you're having cards over there that aren't our products that are representing our products. You can't do that. That's yeah. I, I think the root of the problem is we'll that take your sanction was the yeah. Threat. Well, yeah, wizards. Wizards doesn't distinguish between proxies and counterfeits. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially recently, it's been really big in the Magic community. Fears of uh, you know Chinese counterfeits coming in and destroying the game and devaluing everyone's cards. And sure. Wizards kind of just has to be a hard line on it where they they can't let anything slide. Yeah, I, I took it as Wizards protecting their brand and someone uh, jealous of the store success. Yes. Just being jealous. And, yeah. and, and that was the person that we were unhappy with. Cause, mm-hmm. cause, you know, they're, they're trying to, to cause the sport in our store to benefit their store or their community over there at yeah. another store. Yeah. Which, those people uh, are scumbags. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So. so, so now, now that you moved into, you're in a new area, have you found, uh, local LGS you feel comfortable at yet? Uh, well, I since I used to live here, there used to be three stores in this area, mm-hmm. uh, and, and two of those were chains, so they had multiple ones close. Okay. Okay. Um, now that I moved back over the years, um, one big store has basically bullied the other ones out of business. Uh, so there's okay. just one now, um, and there's one in my town, and there's two or three same name that are about 30 minutes away from my uh, town. Yep. So it's kind of all, uh, you know, I, I just deal with it. It's it's not... No matter where you play, it's the same Kool-Aid. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't agree with how the tournaments are run, how the employees are held to a stand, the low standard, and I don't agree with a lot of that stuff. And by working in a store for a while, you know, I, that stuff irks me more than it probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah! Whenever you go to another company that does something similar to what you do in your day to day, you just judge them so much harsher. Absolutely, like uh, you know, taking an extra hour and a half or two hours to run a pre-release is just, especially when there's only like thirty-two people, is almost just unexcusable. Yeah, like it's especially when you have three computers up there and three or four mm-hmm. employees. Like that's just there's no excuse for that. It, it, it wasn't people running over. Like we finished early every round except for one. Like. And we still went like an hour and a half, hour forty five minutes over the allotted time that it should take. Mm-hmm. And they gave us thirty minute build time, which I thought was low. I thought it was higher than that, but I'm not sure. Um, what frustrated me the most was thirty two people. I went. They only played four rounds, so I went four zero and got six packs. Yeah, I hate. And that. paid twenty five dollars, not twenty. Like it would be fair if like I paid like a reduced amount of money or something. But I paid twenty five dollars and got six packs. Yeah. Well, what's but. uh? 
I don't know all the pre-releases around here with 25. I don't normally do pre-release, and I didn't do it this time either, but I don't, I don't normally do pre-release because I, I don't, uh, really get into standard. I'll get into like, if it's a week that there's not legacy going on, I might do sealed or something. Sure. Like, limited formats I can get into. I just, I have a hard time. It's, it's, it may sound silly. Uh, I just have a hard time investing in standard. That's true. Yeah, and I, um, it also helps with Legacy that whenever there's a good card in the new set in Legacy, it's never, you know, blowing up everyone's radar. Like, that's why Jungle was a $5 card for months after it came out. So you have oh, plenty yeah. of time to get the Legacy card. <laughs> so is Abrupt Decay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of a sudden, by the time Ravnik is gone, Foil Abrupt Decays are 80 Oh, yeah. It blew my mind. I was running around stores, and they all had Deathrite Shamans at $5, and I just bought them up screaming, it's dark, it's, uh... Birds of Paradise and uh, Grim Grim Lava Man are on the same card. I was screaming, it's a one man of Planeswalker. <laughs> I was <laughs> looking true. at it going, I think it might be good. It's an elf. Yeah. All are valid things to scream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was snapping those up just because yeah. they were so cheap. Uh, but so long yeah. story short, yeah, I'd still have Burn and still plan to boil it out piece by piece, slow, uh, slow progress. But. I think in this area there are a group. There is a group that play a couple of groups of EDH nights and a, and one modern day on Wednesdays, and then the rest is mostly standard. I haven't really found anybody that plays Legacy, and uh, sometimes it's hard for people to sit down with Burn too because they're like, "Oh, it's just Burn. You play Burn. <laughs> I get to. I have to go through that." Well, it's like, well, yeah, you need to know this matchup probably. You know, the the thing that I think, and this is. Just my impression here. I think the thing with Burn, it's not. There's a guy. There's a guy that I saw who plays it, and he's foiled it out. Jerry, I'm talking about Dan here. Yes, I I picked that up. <laughs> okay, like this guy plays twelve post, but he's also foiled out Burn, and it's not. I, I don't know that it's a deck that you don't have to think for. Like I, his deck has scared me. Like he's got me. Um, there was one game that just sticks in my head because when we were playing, he went turn one vexing devil. I wasn't holding creature removal, so I got to take four. And then he went turn two, vexing devil, vexing devil. So, like, now I'm at eight. Like, it's, and it just, he raised me so fast. So I think the thing about burn is while people may not give it respect, most of the time, I think they just have to ask themselves, is my deck quicker than this? You know, like, I, burn was the reason I stopped playing Shardless Bug, was because I would, like, crack a fetch in Thoughtseize and see Rift Bolt, uh, lightning bolt, lava spike, price of progress, and I'm holding force of will going. This sucks. <laughs> like this, I can't yeah. do that. Well, what they say is burn is a seven card combo deck, and that's more that's more pieces than any other combo deck. So it's, yeah. it's definitely not mindless. Just no, secret you drop. Here, but, uh, here's what people think. They think that you drop an island and play something for one. Drop an island, play two things for one. Drop, or not an island, a mountain. Sorry, <laughs> I was sure how Burn does that. Drop, drop, drop a land. <laughs> I do what I want. Play treasure cruise. Um, <laughs> you gotta play blue. Yeah, not anymore. Not Blue's anymore. On the brain all the time, you know. Um, yeah, drop a mountain. Play a one man, you know, goblin guide, whatever, and then bolt, bolt, and then lava spike, and then like they think that every turn I play what I can out of my hand, and that's so so not true. Because yeah. if I do that, I lose like eighty percent of my games. If I just yeah. if I just play exactly what I can and try to win on turn three every game, mm-hmm. just it's not it's just not gonna happen. You have like burn players need to play around days. You almost have to because you don't want your stuff to get countered. And if you if it's countered 
Like that's you true. want them to that's spend two or three cards because that get that two or three card advantage usually gives you enough time to draw the spell to replace it later. Like you may get another one or two draws to make up for that, right? Because you took right. some some like maybe a Jace out of their hand, you know, with their Force of Will or something like that, to where you can recoup. But if you if if you get your stuff like dazed, like that's almost unexcusable unless you're dying next turn because you have Grim Lava Mancer, if you're not playing, you should be, and you have Rift Bolt, which both cast around days. Right. So, so you should have those. I, I, just out of curiosity with your burn deck, are you playing Goblin Guides? Yes. And are you you're playing Grim Lava Mancers too? Yes. All right, so you're playing more of a creature burn package anyway. Well, it's that, and I play Eidolon. Okay. Well, it lets me. It, if I can resolve an Eidolon, I get to be the control player. Yeah. Because I wait for you to do stuff. That's pretty cute. Yeah. That, and, that's and most matchups. In most matchups. You know. That, that's what I was going to say. One of the most complicated things with Burn is Burn's the epitome of who's the beatdown, uh, you know, magic theory in action. Because yeah. that's the most important thing a Burn player has to decide is, am I the control player? Am I burning out his creatures to buy time in order to do more damage to the face later? Or with my own creatures? Or am I just going, aiming everything to the face and not worrying about what he plays and just racing him? Yeah. You, you almost always have to start aggressive because you need to get enough pressure to make them be concerned about their life total, and then there's oh, you know, half those matches you have to pull back and just be like, I need all of these to resolve. I need to pick my spots of when I'm supposed to burn out and, and get them to the point where if they do anything, if they tap out, if they go for their sneak and show, you know, or whatever, then you if can just unload to- your hand and kill them before it resolves. If they try to crack that fetch. That's, yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's why absolutely. I couldn't play uh, Burn, is because I'm naturally a very control player. Uh, you know, blue's my favorite color. Um, and every time I borrowed my friend's Burn deck to play Burn, I would just be sitting back and not aiming anything at the face. I would just kill his creatures as he played them. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then I would lose the game. Because it's like, <laughs> all right, we're both in top deck mode, and your top deck's a lot better than mine. Yeah. How yeah. many how many lands are in your burn deck anyway, Houston? Eighteen. Okay. I play uh I play twelve twelve fetches and six mountains. Ah, that that was my next question. Yeah, because uh, there's I know uh, some burn players. Up. Yeah, there's some, some play eight, some play ten, some play twelve. Some play uh, none on the twelve. Oh, they're dumb. Yeah, one of my one of my friends, he's been a burn player forever. Like he's been playing. Sorry, this. I need to call him dumb. I, <laughs> I, I, call him, I, I really shouldn't call him dumb. I just I highly disagree with not running fetches. Yeah, well, you, you, I, know, you asked me earlier. You can swear, Houston. <laughs> okay. I just, I just, there we go. I just, I again, I'll say it again, man. Thanks for your help and like helping me figure out how to even put together a podcast in the first place. You know, and I studied. And I started using Audacity, and then I spent a lot of time editing. So I used to work, I used to tutor math at one of the campuses, and when I worked there, my language was decent. When I stopped working there and I started working in a machine shop, I swear all the time. So, like, the first <laughs> the first couple of things me and Jerry did, I'm spending so much time editing out my squ- uh, swears, eventually I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to start labeling this explicit. <laughs> it's this is taking me way too much time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but, uh, I hear you there. Just, yeah. Uh, if if I have to worry about that, um, I don't 
I don't feel like I'm a, myself if I do that every week, you know. I can guest yeah. on a show that doesn't do it, and, I, you know, I can keep that in mind, make a note on my screen to not do it, and if I do, you know, they can beep it out, sorry about that, whatever. But yeah. if sometimes I feel like I need to curse to get my point across, even though it has no relevance or extra excitement technically added right. to it, it, you know, it could... Uh, Add some passion to what you know I'm feeling. So this, yeah, it's just, it, it tends to be it tends to be a way to emphasize. And I know a lot of times I tend to swear more around people that I'm comfortable. Like if I'm really comfortable, like me and yeah. Jerry, I see him every week. I joke around with Jerry all the time, so I can relax. But like I don't think I, I probably didn't swear once when we recorded with Medina, and yeah. it wasn't necessarily on purpose. I just like he wouldn't have taken it the same way Jerry would if I don't think. You know, yeah. I, just, it, I yeah. just didn't feel as comfortable. It's like being with your homeboys and then meeting your girlfriend's parents for the first time. You just don't, you don't go crazy <laughs> with the curse words. You hold them back until you're like, Sup, my brother, right? another mother. Can, <laughs> can dad handle this? Can I throw yeah. a dam down and him be okay with it? Bottom of the deck I go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, why I landed on 18 um, that I've been happy with is... Yeah, sometimes I don't get as many lands as I need to, but mm-hmm. if I get four lands, I lose most games. I oh, never, really? I, I never want it. Well, yeah. yeah. Four? But, okay. Yeah. Like, you, you never want more than three. I never want more than three. Like, three yeah. casts your sulfuric vortex. That's about it, right? Yeah. If, and I only run two in the main, and sometimes I don't even, according to what the meta is, I may not even have them in there. But, but I mean, that that's your, your max. And it's not just because of sulfuric vortex. Like, you can cast everything in your deck, off, you know, two mana, you know, uh, right. if, you know, you may want four, you may want four mountains if you have two fire blasts, which that's just kind of unlucky, you know, if you got two fire blasts, you just want one a game usually. But, you know, it's, I, I go to 18 and most one landers, if I have three one drops and, a, and, and one mountain or a fetch land, I'm keeping it 100%. Because if I, I don't mind casting one per turn, and if I hit that second one, then my, I can still unload my hand before like turn four or five, you know. And, and, and if I'm playing around stuff, then, you know, I'm going to have to wait anyway. So I, I would rather do that than Mulligan already lose a card, and then I could have a starting hand with two mountains, and then within the next three or four draws, draw another mountain to where, you know, I'm already down a card from my Mulligan, and then I hit my three lands, I'll probably still be short of a burn spell. Right, because if you average out the damage in your deck, you know, each card's probably worth about three damage. So if you lose the game and your opponent's on three life and you have four lands in play, that's that that's just gotta be feel bads in your in your head because doing the math and you're like if that fourth land was any other burn spell I would have won this game. Absolutely. What with the games where you don't get you have a sulfuric vortex and you're at two you know or you have three one one drop spells in your hand and you just have two land and you need to win that that game. Yeah. You just like I just accept those like those are gonna happen but. Every, but but the, there's sometimes where you draw, you top deck that land, and it happens. But like flooding out will happen so much more a- often. Adding going to like 19 or 20, like mm. there's there's so so fewer losses when I went down to 18 off screw. Like it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're not going to get the third land or whatever that you may need. But it, it, it happens so few times compared to how many times I flood. I still flood on 18 lands. Yeah, it's insane. I've I've drawn a fetch before and couldn't fetch a basic. Oh, uh, no. What's Rough the game. um Jerry, what was it? What's the, I'm not familiar with the, I'm not familiar with all the cards in Burn. I I think last week 
Last week I wasn't sure how often pyrotechnics gets played or pyrokinetics <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so pyrokinetics. Yeah, I was getting I was getting the two cards confused. I knew it was being reprinted. I didn't know if it was actually normally in a burn deck. No. What happened was I, I didn't really get to learn burn because um, I was playing Shardless Bug and it seemed like I was paired against burn a lot. So that's when I went back to playing Ten Fins and just decided to play Lifelink. And... So I just kind of went faster than any of the cards that I'd see out of Burn. But there was one that we were talking about. Was it Fire Blast to sacrifice two mountains? Yeah, yeah, I think what you're getting at is uh, what's your opinion on uh, Dual Caster Mage and Burn? That's that's actually my question for Houston. You, you, okay. Cost three mana, doesn't he? He does. He yeah, does cost three mana. Much. Yeah. I'd rather have a Vortex on three almost every game. Right. And the, if I want to cast something for, if I have to cast something for three. Right, and the fact that he combos with Fire Blast just doesn't come up often enough. No, no, not, not really at all. Um, my friend I mentioned who, who's who been playing Burn since the dawn of time, uh, he likes experimenting with it and finding different uh, ways. And uh, one cool one that I thought was pretty cool is uh, he included Sensei's Divining Top to avoid the very thing you were talking about is not draw, uh, flooding out. And in that version, he runs fetches so that... Uh, if he, you know, sees a clump of lands on top, he's able to uh, fetch them away. And also in the late games with burn, the specific burn spell you draw uh, can be very important. Like, the difference between drawing a lightning bolt and drawing uh, a fire blast can be the difference between winning and losing the game. Doesn't cast on the top cost him a turn, though? The top does cast... it, So it's a more controlling version of burn. Sure. Um, it slows you down by a... About like a turn and a half. Yeah, it slows you down by a turn and a half, but it allows you uh, to In my play. Testing, I don't know if it's official stats. Just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we tried it out. Yeah, but it it allows you to just play a much more controlling game and have you know keep the pacing of the game on in check and really dictate it. And instead of you know what most people think of burn is where they just dump their hand and hope they get lucky. Um, my favorite version that I liked is, I like, uh... What's about that, though, before you move on? Before yeah. What's about that? You don't run Brainstorm. Right. If you, if you draw two Fire Blasts, you can't put one back and then shuffle. Like, right. That, that yeah. that's, that's an extra, you know, that, you're missing almost half of the top, you know? Like, <laughs> because, like, that, that, that was the great part about it was the Brainstorm, you know, if you look, you're like, all right, I need those. I have two in my hand and I don't want, you know, I'll throw those back. I mean, it's also used for miracles, which is, I guess, another add-on to top. But, like, if you get stuck with cards, it's not like you can put them back. You just see if you're going to die or win soon, like, and you use yeah. the card for it, you know. If you draw two, which I knew some people were running two tops, if you draw the second one, you're just like, I give up, I quit, I scoop, like, I'm yeah. done. That's, done. That feels worse than drawing, you know, your fourth or fifth land. <laughs> right, which, which is why I like the black-red version better. Um, instead of top running Dark Confidant, uh, because I feel Burn is probably best suited for Dark Confidant. It doesn't care that it's losing life to him, and your mana cost, your curve is so low anyways, uh, and you love drawing cards. That's just more damage. Are you, yeah. are you, you bothering with Young Pyromancer at all? Uh, no, it's too slow. Okay. I, I know that sounds weird, because if you've played Modern recently, you'd disagree with me, but in Legacy, <laughs> it's too slow. Yeah, I agree um, sure. that. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's been better in Blue Red Burn. In yeah, I was I was going to mention uh, another the I can't remember the name of the card. It's the like Tyrant's Choice, I think is what it is. You can play that if you run the black if you run a black version. 
which is... Do you guys know what Tyrant Source is? No, no, no. Oh, yes, I do. That's the one from Conspiracy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the it's, Black It's Will of the Council, and it's Loose for Life. So if, if you used to run... There's a red card. I don't even have my deck anymore. I forgot what it's called. It was red and colorless. Both players lose four life. Uh, that's uh, Flame Fire, Rift. Flame, yeah, Flame Rift. Yeah, it's just out of sight, out of mind. Um, <laughs> if uh, you you would do that, but a lot, a lot of times Flame Rift can really hurt you, or you get to the point in the game where you're at three and they're at one, and you need to hit them with something, and you draw that. You know, it just lowers your percentage to like top deck your your last spell. But Tyrant's Choice, they just, you choose a player and they, you know, you vote and then you win the tie, so they always lose four life. So it's mm-hmm. black, black and a colorless. colorless for, they lose lose four life, not, it's not even damage. Yeah, so, so it gets which, around like Leyline of Sanctity. Yeah, it gets around a couple things, you know. Yeah. So, I, I just had two thoughts. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can play Bumble tonight too. Yeah, Death that's Ray what Shaman saying. to ramp to it, because I did that in Modern before Deathrite Shaman got banned. Yeah, yeah, because Bump of the Night instead of, uh, what's the suspend one? Rift Bolt. Rift Bolt, Bolt, yeah, Bump of the Night instead of Rift Bolt. Eh, I play them both. Yeah, I'm playing both. I don't know, what what would you probably cut for Bump of the Night, though? Like, what's your, what's your, what's the worst burn card in burn? Well, in the modern version, like, I think you had to play a couple incinerates. Ah, so yeah. Because you play, like, the, this Searing, Searing Blaze, and then you play the... Uh, of course, the bumps, no, uh, the vexing devil, goblin guide. Um, you don't, you don't run Grim Wolfmancer because it's not as good as Deathrite Shaman. Uh, Grim's way better because it kills every creature in Legacy almost. Yeah, not so in modern. Any anyone that can target just about kills everything, uh, you know, unless they're cheating someone to play and you're going to die anyway. But uh, in, in modern, you could actually ramp out your hand and play like Hellspark elementals. I was just going to ask you if yeah. you were actually using that. Three one haste sack, and then you can unearth it and do it again. Like when you ramp with Deathrite Shaman, <laughs> you have yeah. like yeah, you turn with Deathrite Shaman, and you have you know three mana on uh, on turn two. Like you can real you can really get ahead. You can get ahead of a lot of counter spells too, uh, especially if you play against Cryptic. You can usually put them um, mid mid to well yeah. You can probably put them in single digits before they can get in, even get the Cryptic command. Land, you know, get the four, get the four lands if you so yeah. it out. Because they, because they don't have a daze. You know, they don't go first. Then you go and play your Deathrite Shaman and they daze it. Like that isn't, that's not really a thing. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, it, it can be a thing <laughs> in modern. So like, almost always, uh, if that doesn't eat a bolt or a path, like you're good to go. You don't have to worry about blue disrupting it before it comes yep. in. Exactly. Even even better too is um for, as far as the creature suite goes and bringing them back. I saw a sweet one with Hellspark Elemental and it was red black, and it ran Vexing Devil too, and so it had Vexing Devil. People usually just pay four, and then it was running uh what was uh, what is it called? It's the one black reanimate spell. It's like return target creature with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to play, and it's cycling. Uh yeah, it's played in Popper. Uh, yeah, but that plus Vexing Devil is just brutal. Like, oh, shit. Oh, you pay four life and uh, let my Vexing Devil die? Okay, here it is again. Are you going to let this one stick around, or are you going to take four life this time? Oh, it's Unearth. That's yeah, there we go. I, found it. I just found it. <laughs> That's good Perfect. timing. It, it, it I literally just like Googled mono black popper list to get it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I nice. knew like, that I'm, I'm, it's guaranteed to be in there <laughs> without me yeah. getting up and going to find my 
Popper yeah. decks. <laughs> and it's, it's converted cost, casting costs three or less. I'm surprised yeah. this doesn't see more legacy play, because this is good. Oh, and Popper gets back Liliana, Spectre, Chittering Rats, and Phyrexian Rager, which are all really good. Yeah, anyone, yeah. If anyone knows those, that could be over <laughs> some people's heads. But they probably, to be fair, they probably already turned it off because we talked about Burn for 30 minutes, so. <laughs> uh, everyone loves Burn. <laughs> or everyone hates Burn. Some people don't like burn. Some people do. I'm fine. I'm fine playing against burn. It's blue red delver that makes me want to fucking flip a table. Yeah. Anyways, unearth is a good card. That brings back. <laughs> that brings back stone. Bring it all back around. Sadly, just adding a lot of those black cards in there takes away from the burn. Aspect. Yeah. Eventually, it so. stops being a burn deck and just becomes black red aggro. Yeah. Because like, if your goblin guy died and it wasn't from a spell, then you don't want to get it back. Oh, oh. You can land and run into a Tarmogoyf, and then you could get a Vexen Devil, but oh, you didn't yeah. get one that game. Like, you have to cycle it, and that seems bad. Uh, that's two mana. <laughs> that's probably most of your turn. Houston, I'm already off on a tangent. I'm brewing decks that I'm like, oh, I want, like, bringing back Dark Confidant, but how, how do I even get it in the graveyard before they kill it? Oh, I'll just entomb for the Dark Confidant and then unearth it, and then I'm like, this is not a burn deck in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you add entomb, you can no longer call it burn. But now that, like, Treasure Cruise and stuff is out of modern, you can get into uh, and back into back into discard. Yeah. Well, yeah, and Legacy, yeah. Now, how happy are you that Treasure Cruise is gone in modern? Uh, well, I had I a black-green devotion deck that wasn't very good against Pyromancer. <laughs> so, well, it wasn't favorable in in a way that because I run Liliana and Inquisitions and like three three Inquisitions and a Thought Season in the main and then two more Thought Season in the side, and those yeah. feel dead against that matchup because they can recover their hand, and that, yeah. that's a thriving force behind it is being able to pick the hand, drop an arena, and then, you know, okay. win on card advantage. Yeah. My biggest or thing... Or devotion out, like, double friction obliterator, and they yeah. use it there, too. But, Holy shit. So I, I'm excited to... I kept it together because I was like, I'm almost positive this is getting banned in modern, so I'm keeping this deck together for when it gets mm. banned. I can go back to it. So yeah. I have that and, I, like, a, a guy burn list. I'm probably going to... Be playing in modern. I'm trying. Yeah, it. a lot of people are talking about how Geist got a lot better, which doesn't really make so much sense to me. But I don't really play modern, so I'm not <laughs> that surprised. But yeah, well, Geist went way up in value. Oh, I had no idea about that. But I, I knew if they just banned Treasure Cruise and Dixie Time, then it would just go back to Pod wins everything. So they banned Pods, and they're like, "Oh crap! What's behind Pod? No one knows." <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, I mean, twin, right? Geist is Geist is good, and there's a lot of good burn, but. Uh, Swin Flynn's definitely, definitely there, but, um, I think everyone's prepared for it in a way that, you know, it, 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 it will do fine, but it, it's not like, what's the best deck in modern? And somebody goes, definitely Swin and Twin. That doesn't always, right, that right. doesn't usually happen. Yeah. When, so, when you talk about pod, you go, definitely pod. They're thinking like metagame against anything. Yeah. I say Storm, just cause that's the deck I play. <laughs> I mean, yeah, go for it. I, I mean, you have to use, Pyromancer's Ascension and Goblin Electromancer, because if you don't have one of those added, it gets a little rough, but... I mean, I'm okay doable. With, Yeah, I'm okay with that, too, uh, because yeah. the deck did get much better with Treasure Cruise, because I think it was, like, some modern players' championship. Uh, Reed Duke, Owen Turnwald, and William Jensen all played Storm with Treasure Cruise and did pretty well with it, but yeah. the deck was good even without Treasure Cruise. Yeah. 
it seemed like a weird inclusion, and most of the time they had to, like, wait to get another card in the graveyard to delve everything <laughs> past in flames, because they, yeah. that was dumb of them to, you know, get rid of that card in there, so... Well, also, activate... There's some awkward moments with it. Yeah, Pyromancer's Ascension, if it's not active yet, you still need great cards in your graveyard. It's like a yep. non-bow. Yeah, yeah. Well, that card's dead if you've, if you've treasure cruised once. It, it, it's... Well, yes. It's, uh, it's dead on a normal elapsed, like, time goes by for a game. Like, if, yeah. if the game goes longer than it should, then you can probably get it active, but... Right. Yeah, no, but the worst is, like, you treasure cruise and you draw Pyromancer's Ascension with treasure cruise. Awkward. <laughs> the worst. Or two of them. Yeah, or two of them. It's got to play four. Yeah. So what about if I discard this Pyromancer's decision? Ascension? Is that kind of like casting? Can I put a counter on the one I have on the battlefield? Like, Yeah, that works, right? I need some value out of this. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, I hate my life. <laughs> going back to Legacy, though, I'm I'm pumped that uh, Treasure Cruise got banned because him to Torak is one of my favorite cards, and him to Torak was straight-up unplayable while uh, Treasure Cruise was in the format. Yeah, and Divert just got much better. Yeah, Divert got better. <laughs> but also, it was just so bad. You you him you him your opponent. You don't hit their treasure cruise. You just made their treasure cruise two mana cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah you, you well, took, I don't like him, but I think treasure cruise was worse for the format. Yeah. That's just me speaking from a burn perspective, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, that can be rough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got my only land left in my hand? Well, that's awkward. Yeah, it doesn't matter what him gets, it gets something, and that's bad for Burn. Well, yeah, it, you you get cards. You got two cards out of my hand. That's, like, I can turn them face down and never look at them. Like, mo- most cards do the exact, a similar thing, right? right? So, if I lose two of the cards that do a similar thing, that puts me two cards from, short from winning, for the most part. Yeah, so, it, yeah. it's not like against Miracles, where... Do you get rid of like their pyroblast and the land they're holding? They're like, ah, oh, it's okay. I can play off the top of my library, no problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you can hit key pieces with them and burn. In in a way, it is kind of a combo deck, and all of the non-land permanents are combo, combo pieces. pieces, and you lose combo pieces when you get down in card advantage like that. Yep. And you get to exactly. Cast them, so. You play more modern than me. So I, I know you get your modern deck together anyway. What kind of, what have you been noticing about the ban list? I've been noticing like people freaking out that their pods are banned and that some people just put pod together. And I kind of just been talking to them like, come play Legacy. Treasure Cruise is gone and just play Nick Fit. Like start. With if, that. if you're mad that you just got pod together and yeah. you've been playing for two years, I mean if you're new that's fair. But if you've been playing for two years and you haven't put pod together, like. Fucking shame on you, dude. Like, <laughs> it's not like the deck's not been bad for two years. Like, it's it's been near the top or on the top for two years. You've had a chance to play it. it like, I'm, I'm surprised it's time for it. other decks to be played. Yeah, I'm surprised it made it this long without being banned. Not that it was banned. How yeah. much? How, how much? Does, how much does that encourage you or discourage you to to invest in that format? If they could just rotate, like, oh, well, I got a good deck, and, well, they ban it. Definitely discourages me. That's why I don't build any other decks. <laughs> I only yeah. built Storm because they already banned everything good out of Storm. So. <laughs> There's Can't nothing anything else. Well, that's yeah. what Jun thought, and they just kept taking cards away from him. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll play Jun now. It's still good when they ban Bloodrite Elf. Oh, you're going to take Deathrite Shaman, too? You fuckers. Yeah. I, I think John Finkel said uh, if they ever wanted to kill Storm, just ban Manamorphose. Because if Manamorphose is banned, Storm is just upright, just unplayable. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's fair where it's at now. I think it's fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't play it a lot. I just, I've watched people play it, and it seems right where a a combo deck that plays a lot of spells, it seems right where it should be. It's Mm -hmm. not guaranteed to go off on three like before the bannings were happening, where it was going off eighty, eighty-five percent, you know, on turn three. You know, that's that's scary and that's bad for the format. And now it's down to those players may have to uh, storm off and gut shot the board and try to recover. Oh, they, yeah. You know, they don't have the time. I think that's cool. I watched Reed Duke, his last video set. I think he ran that same list with the Treasure Cruise or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he had to do that a couple of times, and it, it cost him the game. But if he didn't do it, he would die. I think that's a, a cool era that Storm players probably haven't experienced a lot before, having to kind of grind to get there. You know, there enough cards to to go off maybe even a second time right yeah so I've, I've done that before <laughs> yeah just a, actually pretty often I've had to like gut shot and take out a couple delvers and a snapcaster mage and then hope I either draw into the empty warrens and empty the warrens for you know two or three storm or top decks and lightning bolts wow no shit huh because modern storm has to play gut shot oh yeah Oh no, sorry, not gut shot, uh, grape shot. Grape shot. Oh, okay. <laughs> not gut shot, grape shot. I'm like, whoa, I'm just yeah, gonna do one damage Delvers. to cast the spell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those pesky Delvers. Um, but it's, what I also like is, uh, active pyromancer's ascension means just regular lightning bolts a win condition, cause your lightning bolts now deal six damage. Oh, absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Active pyromancer's ascension was, has always been good. It was in standard, it was good. <laughs> yep. I also just like it because... Yeah, yeah, double preordained, double seer visions. I, I talked about it on another episode too. That it always gets well, me in trouble. Not in standard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Preordained never really made it into modern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. What is it? Uh, not preordained. Uh, what's modern. the other one? Not serum visions. Serum visions and slide, uh, slide, hands, slide hands are the ones in modern. Yep, yeah, that's my problem is because I'm so used to Legacy, I play serum visions like it's brainstorm and sleight of hand like it's ponder, and that gets me in trouble. <laughs> I, I'm ashamed to call them cantrips. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I feel a lot better inside playing a good taxi improv because it's like I get to see the hand and draw a card. That feels a lot better than drawing the shitty card that I didn't want and then scrying two things <laughs> in the bottom. Yeah, it's, it's horrible when you're sleight of you have serum visions and sleight of hand in hand. And you're like, oh, which one should I cast? I'll cast Serum Visions. And you're immediately you're like, I should have done Sleight of Hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sleight slide of Hand is always two cards you want or two cards you don't want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's 90%. That's a, that's a, a perfect stat. I've, I've did. <laughs> You've done the, the maths. Yeah. All the I've maths. Done the, the maths on it <laughs> with an S. That means it's legit. It's official. With my, with my TA, TI-84 plus extended edition, and it oh. says that... Is, that that's that's banned in 30, 36 states. Yeah, it does the work for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got Mario into the apps. Yes. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the only reason you got one, right? Your parents spent $100 and you put games on it. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Thanks. I got a Game Boy, original Game Boy now. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> retro. So <Yeah>. retro. <laughs> <laughs> Playing red version. Pokemon, here we come. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. I have played Pokemon Red in a uh, lecture before. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Thank you, oh, emulators. Still, <laughs> still have it. Oh, you got the original? I, I, had yeah. to, I had to do the fake uh, emulator version. Plugs into my SP. 
Oh. I know what that is. <laughs> Back in my day, our Game Boys had letters after them. <laughs> <laughs> now they just say new. New. <laughs> Isn't that the new one now? It's like new, Back the in, new DS or something? Yeah, it's going to get awkward in a couple years. <laughs> I ain't worried about it. Back in my day, Game Boys were black and white. Yeah. Well, I, I, I got one of those. My mom, made it, my mom made me return it because she thought I was going to go blind. <laughs> oh, man. I remember my... I. I was one of those rare people who can, like, read and do stuff in the car without getting car sick. And my parents were always, like, terrified that on long road trips I was just going to destroy the insides of the car with my Game Boy. <laughs> but I was lucky. I don't get it. Why? Because uh, of being car sick. But oh. I knew I was never going to get car sick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I was growing up, I didn't have a car or a Game Boy. So I was having that time with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> my, my, we had to walk all over the fucking place. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, I'm just as a plug for Burn. If anybody's looking to get in, so like I can see Burn is a pretty pretty decent option. Uh, your only high class car or uh, high high price cards are Goblin Guide, Chain Lightning, um, Fetchlands. Yeah. But you now have Onslaught fetches, which are mm-hmm. Wooded Foothills and Bloodstained Mire. So there's eight. If you want to play the eight version, nothing wrong with that. If you want to go up to twelve, then you can. But um, because I mean, what I, I think, um, Air Maces are thirty, thirty land somewhere in the thirties, and tarns, tarns are more. But um, but definitely not as bad as they used to be. But those those shouldn't be too hard to pick up now, because when I was getting these fetch lands, they were. I got them at a standard, the ones from Zendikar, but the, I had to trade for Bloodstain Myers, which were 50 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goblin Guides are in the 20s, and Chain Lightnings are 15-ish. So yeah. that's... Are they more than that? Yeah, Chain Lightnings and Goblin Guides gone up, too. Oh, well, Chain Lightning might have gone up because of Blue Gosh. Red Silver. Yeah, Blue Red Silver. Let me just date how long ago I put <laughs> that burn. Yeah, let me, let me get it. Right. Yeah, Chain Lightning went up because of uh, Blue Red Delver, because it was running... Yeah, Goblin Guides were at 30 last time, too, but then again, I look at SCG prices. Yeah, I think Goblin Guides are going down. No, change your 13. I'm on TCC. Are you, yeah, are you on Star it. City, you crazy man? No. Nah. I keep seeing them at okay. 15 anyway. I mean, they are sold yeah. out at $20 on Star City, uh, but at my local store. People are dumb. That's good. Yeah, that's all right. They'll be buying them back up now that fucking Treasure Cruise is banned. Yeah, I think it definitely went. I think a lot of cards have dipped down in price, too, with the Treasure Cruise ban. People are kind of selling out. Um, oh, yeah, I, and Price of Progress recently went up for some stupid reason. Yeah, Price of Progress was pushing $10 for a while. Yeah, it's it's back settled at, uh, at like, sevens. Yeah, and it's because all, all those cards were... I need two more foils, and I was like, man, I should have bought those when they were $3. How I figured it out, um, I sat down at a table to trade, you know, and I found a guy, and he had you know one foil Price of Progress, and... You know, I'm pretty good with prices. I know most of my prices. I don't have to look up all of them. So, you know, he's like, I was like, oh, you know, do we trade this or whatever? He's like, yeah. And I was like, all right, they're, you know, they're on four, four or five bucks. He's like, okay. And then, you know, we kind of laid around. He's like, you know, I just feel safe if I just look all the cards up. And I was like, that's fine, whatever, man. I mean, everyone's paranoid now. Everybody thinks they're going to get ripped off, whatever. It's cool. No big deal. Do it. And he looked up price for it. He's like, this is like an $8 card. And he said it was five. <laughs> and I was like, it is five. And he like showed me, and I was like, well, first of all, you're on Star City. Second of all, it has one up. So, you know, I, I'll trade. I can trade more for it. That's fine. And he was just like, 
oh, I'm going to look up the rest of these. He just got, like, all mad at me. I was like, I don't think you understand that Prize of Progress is, like, a foil, like, lightning, Prize of Progress, Fire and Lightning version has been, like, 4 or $5 for a decade or something. Like, yeah. whenever Fire Nights came out, like... <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to... So reasonable assumption that it's still been there. It's been there ten years, or <laughs> whatever it was. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you actually brought this up, Houston. Um, I think I think Ripping this went on the road on accident. You were mentioning the Star City Games thing, oh, and yeah. so pretty vocal you know, about it. <laughs> I, I, I look I look at SCG all the time, and that's really the prices I go off of. If I'm trading with somebody, I, I go off SCG. I go off SCG both ways. It's not like I'm saying my cards are fucking SCG and yours aren't. It's just that's just where I go off of, and the reason that's what I go off of is that the stores in the area is what they price off of. So when I go, like for example, they, there was just a proxy event last Sunday, right now, and and. I didn't really want to go because I always ask myself, what am I supporting? If it's somebody that like wants to play ad nauseum tendrils but needs the LEDs, then that's cool. Yeah, proxy them up. We'll sit down. We'll play it because that's a deck that you're going to need to know how to pilot. And and my thing is I, I want to know also that their intention is to make their proxy deck non-proxy at some point, that they're actually investing the time in the, in, into the format. And um, so the next day, and this is like, um, you know, one of the kids that, wanted to proxy up Blue Red Delver, which um, now he starts looking for the, the actual cards. He needs uh, four ponders, four dazes. And uh, when I go down to the store down the road, I buy four dazes. They charge me SCG prices. If I'm going to trade with somebody, I'm going to trade them at SCG prices. So that's what I just paid for them, and that's what it's going to cost me to replace them. You know, and it's, it's, not, it's, it's not like fucking... Uh, I, I don't. I don't care that SCG is maybe two dollars higher than TCG player. My thing is, the stores in this area aren't charging TCG player prices, and that's what it's going to cost me to replace the card that I'm about to trade you. Sure. So, so, and I mentioned it to him like, well, I have all the cards on your list. Um, I can, and I told him like, I can take bulk rares if you want, because like, I'll just bring those to SCG, and then whatever they give me is when it's going to take me to replace them anyway. But if he wants to like unproxy his deck now, and um. And he's like, oh, okay, I get it, so you work for SCG. Okay, what do you value bulk rares at? And I'm like, no, I don't work for SCG. That's just what I pay for them. <laughs> I go, like, I'm, not, I'm like, I'm not a binder grinder. I have a job. Like, that's just what I fucking do is if I want to replace this card, that's what it's going to cost me. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, exactly. So, so, like, sometimes, and that's one of the things that I notice about Legacy is a lot of times we don't have a tendency to trade with each other too often. You know, if we do, it's usually, like, Maybe I traded like maybe I traded away the fourth copy of my show and tell, and and maybe Jerry needs a Savannah. Well, I have a Savannah. He's got a show and tell, and we can make a trade. Sure. But like on on an average, it doesn't normally happen that often. But if it's somebody trying to unproxy the deck, chances are, like he wanted Lorwyn copies of Ponder. So like yeah, I've got those, and so like I can try to help people unproxy the deck or get whatever they need together. But it's it's not like like he's asking me, well, what do I want? Like I have like this like I don't want. There's nothing in standard that I want. I'm like, well, okay, I guess fetch lamps are good. So it was just like a. So yeah, I don't you're trading for value, and he's trading for cards he needs. But uh, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to trade in legacy because the prices on cards vary so much, and most most of the time people are aiming at certain cards. When you say, "What do you need?" You're like, "I only." You'll go up, and they'll be like, "I only need these 15 cards. If you have anything else, I don't want it." And then you go, well, I'm trying to build a deck too. All I need is these 20 cards. If you don't have them, you know. And if they, if yeah. the, if the prices don't match up when you total them up, and you're just like, well, what do we get? <laughs> uh, 
you know, uh, and, and no, I'm I, not saying that that's everybody in the legacy community. It's not. It's traders in general. But uh, I, I, it used to be something called this value trading to where you have something I want, I have something you want, there's a price difference, I'll get something or you get something that's valuable, and I just keep – I've wrote about this multiple times – I keep the value of my binder high by taking like this staple that you know I don't have or I don't have enough copies of that will prosper in my binder. It will either it, it, it keep its value or slightly go up. You know, it's not going to drop. It's a it's a three dollar difference, and you have a I don't know Mantis Rider, and it's three bucks. Like I think that card's going to hold its price, so I'll do that to even out the trade because I know that. Mantis Rider's not going to go down to a, a dollar next week, and I'm going to lose the value. I still have the value, but no one does that anymore. Especially with Legacy players, too, because uh, Legacy staples with their higher price tag, I feel come, that comes up a lot more often. You're not really doing $5 trades that often. Usually you're doing trades in the $20, $30, $40, $50 dollar range. You know, sure. a Jace for a Force of Will, that's two around $100 cards, but if they're off a couple percentage points, that's off... You know, ten dollars. So, well, yeah, but then it, this, this is a point to like condition and shit. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't trade with people for value. My thing is, if you want to place it upon this, you know, it's going to cost me four dollars to replace them at the store. Like, you just give me four dollars. That's cool. Like, I don't want a Mantis Rider. Sure. Like, I mean, most were, legacy players buy their cards anyway. Yeah. To be fair. That that feel the whole trading in the legacy community is probably the lightest it is. Uh, in any format, just because, like you said, Houston, when I'm trading for cards, it's because I'm trading because I'm trying to put a deck together. And first of all, legacy cards are obscure, and people don't usually carry them around unless they're the staples. And if they are staples, they usually have a high enough price tag where it's hard to trade for them in the first place. Sure. Because no one wants to trade standard cards for legacy cards. Well, I mean, you do, it's just no one's going to accept that deal. <laughs> no one's trading you a, a stack of uh, brim ads for an underground sea unless it's for a steep uh, steep I don't charge. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, sure, maybe there's a steep charge, but it happens. Like, dude, I go to, I'll go to Ice Imports and do a sealed event. Before I leave there, I sell them all my rares and whatever fucking Planeswalker I just opened, and I leave with Dak Fadens. Well, yeah, because you're doing it to a store, and you're getting the store markup. There's no. Well, that's, that's because the store just charged me fifteen dollars and gave me six packs on a sealed event plus price support. Well, yeah, but the store's not <laughs> giving you full value on your cards. They're not. No, but they're, they're not charging me full value on theirs either. So, like, all right, do they do Houston down in Tennessee? Do they do sealed events? Sealed, yeah. All right, how much is it? How much is it for a sealed event? Twenty-five. Yeah. Okay, and is there price support with it? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, it, unless it's in the. Where I'm at now, where they just give fucking six packs away because <laughs> greedy Cause motherfuckers. Cheap. <laughs> right, like, well, like right now, right near, right near John, they do sealed for fifteen dollars with prize support. Sure, but it's what it's you know it's probably a pack a person instead of two packs a person. No, I don't even know what it yeah, is. Yeah, it, 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 it adjusts. A, a, a store's not gonna go under unless like this. This store also does all constructed events are free. And it has yep. it has a, a, of course a lower price support or whatever. But the guy that owns these stores has other businesses where he can live off them. If these game stores go under, he's fine. He just, he just, so like he can just do that, and it brings more people into the store and whatever. If he sells singles, whatever. If he doesn't, whatever. You know, if you want to trade in your cards, you can. If not, we can just say no because we're gonna be fine either way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of that mentality. So. Um, mm. 
the the point I'm trying to make though is no one's going to trade standard cards straight across the board for legacy staples because everyone yeah because everyone knows standard cards go down in value whereas legacy cards hold their value. That's why usually when you're trading standard cards into legacy cards, they'll take uh, something off the top. Like say Brimaz is worth twenty dollars, they'll probably give you seventeen dollars for Brimaz because you're trading it into a card that's going to hold its value. If they're nice, 17. Yeah, if they're nice, 17. Usually it's like, if it's a store, it's usually like 10 or 15. Even when I'm trading, if I'm trading like standard to legacy, I'm probably at like a 20, 20 to 25% markup if it's for like a staple legacy card. Because next week, that those standard cards could just tank, you know? Yeah. And that, and that card I just traded you is probably going to stay there and only go up. You know, exactly. Most, sure. most of the staples. <laughs> But there's a diff- I mean, there's, there's a difference in the card, though. I mean, like, I, as far as it being standard of legacy, I still say there's a difference as far as um, if you want to trade, and I, 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 I suppose I could look this up, but I'm not going to bother. Uh, let's say, um, Jerry, what? Do, all right, let's say let's say standstill six dollars right now, and I, it's probably four. I have no idea, but I'm just making up a number. Let's say standstill six dollars. If you want two standstills, I'll trade you for one thoughtsies, and let's say thoughtsies is twelve. Like, there's a standard card for two legacy cards where the value's the same. The difference is Thoughtseize is also a legacy card. And sure. a modern card. And a modern sure. card. So Exactly. But the, va- but the value's still the same. The difference is that I have to hold that card for a while in order for the value to increase. Well, when, yeah, when I'm talking about yeah. trading, like, legacy in standard, I'm talking about a standard card. That's standard. The standard card, standard. when it rotates, it will be crap. That's When I say standard card, that's what I mean. Like okay, so, so like, like when Brad. Snapcaster was in, like you trade those, you can trade those at full price to legacy players because everyone you, you don't take anything off that because you know that card is a staple in two formats besides sure, standard. Shaman, same thing. Yeah, Brooke yeah. Case, same thing. Like you don't mark off those because they see play in those formats. Right, right. But sure. if you're doing like Kioras or Elspeth, you're mm-hmm. taking it off because those cards are only good in standard. Yes, yeah. like, for a limited time. A, there's another point is that the longer I have to hold it, the more I have to take off. Because like right now, if you if somebody wanted to trade me, uh, what the hell's that wingmate rock? I don't know what that thing's yeah. going for. Is that like a twenty dollar card? Uh, around ten. Uh, okay, what's a twenty dollar one? Sarkin maybe. Uh, All right, yes. Yeah. Is Soren close to twenty? All right, let's say Soren. Let's say Soren's twenty dollars, and somebody wants I don't know some twenty dollar fucking legacy card I have, or maybe a place set of dazes. Um, I would have to hold Soren until Star City Games comes back around for me to trade it back to to them. Yeah, but where are they going to give? They're going to give you ten dollars for it. They're not going to give me ten dollars because it's going to be ten by the time that they get here. They're going to give me five. Okay, even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Sure. Yeah. But I wouldn't have traded for that anyway because Soren's going nowhere and it rotates. Like you're, it's going to see no Bonner play, and of course it's not going to see Legacy play because Jace barely sees play and is the best Planeswalker ever and costs the same amount of mana. In what Legacy? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to start seeing more play now that Treasure Cruise is banned and the aggro decks are going to fall off. Uh, but, yeah, Jace has been seeing a lot less play since Treasure Cruise was printed. Sure, but, I mean, L- Legacy Planeswalkers are Liliana Jace, right? And maybe yeah. Elspeth. Elspeth's Jerry likes to pop in Elspeth, but he's really been playing Deck Fade. Oh, I mean, Deck Fade well, is... <laughs> I mean, that's vintage, though, right? Well, no, no, no. Deck Faden's been seeing a lot. Of, uh, actually, Deck Faden's probably not going to see as much play now that Treasure Cruise is gone. 
but actually it doesn't. No, Dak. If if you've been okay, you've been using Dak Faden. Yeah, I haven't. Me personally, but the meta as a whole has been using Dak Faden to power out treasure cruises. That's like one of the cornerstones of the Grixis control list. I mean, (laughs) the Grixis decks were using Dak Faden with treasure cruise to power it out. That's not to say Dak Faden's bad. He's probably still going to see legacy play. He's just he just got a few ticks off his power level with treasure cruise going, but. Dig through time still in the format, so that's good. He also combos really well with a uh, Snapcaster Mage. Um, he's in the Grixis deck, so it's like you go Young Pyromancer into Dak Faden, draw two cards, put a uh, 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 Cabal Therapy in your graveyard, and then you sack it to the uh, uh, Young Pyromancer token, and then that's just value there. It's like you almost you drew two cards and only had to discard one card. So, Jack Fane is still going to see play, but he's not as good. Now, I mean, there's a lot of things that aren't as good now that Treasure Cruise is gone. Yeah, but you're going to have to see what happens anyway. We'll have to see. But back to Houston's original thing, you know, Order of Planeswalkers, I would say, you're right, it's like it goes Jace, Liliana, then I would say Dak Faden, and then Elspeth still sees a little bit of play in the band decks. But other than that, no other Planeswalkers see play. And then Tobolt. Point, point is, Soren doesn't have a chance, is what I'm trying to say. Right. <laughs> and the original route is Soren is going to be worthless. <laughs> yeah. I don't but, care how many vampire boners he gives you, he's not going to be in Legacy. Yeah. I mean, it, we should hear Twilight Scrapbook and move on to the next standard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we shouldn't say completely worthless because there are those casual players who just love planeswalkers and they'll eat them up. And even if they don't run them in decks, they'll just put them in the Yeah, box. but they're not listening to our advice anyway because they're just going to yeah. say what they want. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I love gaining life too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't beat my beacon of immortality, which is the one that gain, doubles your life total. I think it's beacon. Uh, the immortality. Yep. Sure. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> that guy. Oh man! But yeah, oh, I still beat you. It just takes a while. Moral of the story our listeners should take away from this is if someone offers to trade you standard cards for your legacy cards, don't do it unless they're giving you a huge discount. Like, like basically, they're giving you buy list prices for your, you know, retail prices on your cards. Because otherwise, you're going to lose money in the long run. Pretty close. Yeah, and if you're not comfortable with that, just pay it. Just say, hey, I'm I'm not really comfortable cross for, like crossing formats like that. Or, you know, I or respect... Their, you know, rule of, you know, I'm going to mark down your cards. If you don't feel comfortable with that, just be like, you know, I respect what you're doing. I don't think it's, you know, not legit or you're trying to scum me or anything. I'm just not comfortable with that. You know, I'll just hold on to my cards or whatever. Yeah. And people should respect you for that. If they don't, they're jerks. Who cares what they yeah, if anyone's trying to force you to trade with them, it's because they probably have you over a barrel and they either know something you don't know or they're definitely profiting off the trade. So if anyone's ever being forceful with you when you trade, definitely back out of that deal. Or you're taking too long. Yeah. (laughs) I've been forceful before. (laughs) When you have to re-look up a card like three times, I'm just like, dude, there's more people to trade with. Can you please fucking hurry up? I had it in front of you. Why is it different on your phone than it is on mine? Oh, how about that? It's the same price. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of times if it's like, if it's something that... Because there's times where, like, people get all, oh, well, there's a 50-cent difference. I'll just buy you a fucking soda. Yeah. I'll give you a high five. I always offer a high five or a hug. A high five to the face with a chair. (laughs) I'll give you a high five or a hug. (laughs) You choose. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I can also it's see 50 that. cents. Come on, guys. Yeah, because I'll never walk away from a deal if I'm in the negative 50 cents. Like, if it's something like that, I'll always go for it. But I definitely see people who waver. It's like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, all right, here, I'll give you a dollar card, and now it's 50 cents in your favor. Is that cool? All right, sure. we're good. But, sure. yeah. If it's, if it's a buck, I'll skim through the book, like, real quick and see if I can pull out a, a, a dollar rare that's somewhat desirable. And if not, I'm like, all right, we're good. It's whatever. Yeah. You know? I'm not yep. going to just take a card. It's just going to take up a slot in my binder that I can't get rid of. I'd rather just be like, cool, I'll give you a deal. Hook me up next time. And if they don't, yeah. whatever. At least you kind of leave with good spirits. And, that, yeah. and that's a lot, it's a lot more valuable than you think it is because that procures and, uh, you know, encourages other trades. And exactly. it keeps your, uh, I guess your trading karma up because that is very important. Yeah. Very my rule. Oh, sorry. My, my rule is also just kind of like the minimum wage rule. If minimum wage is $9 an hour and we spend half an hour arguing over a dollar card, it's not worth my time. <laughs> I can just, <laughs> you know, you you can have that dollar because that half hour of my life is more important to me than a dollar. Well, to be fair, you pay $5 for a tournament and may only win 20 and you played it for five hours. That's true. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, the stories I hear, like, apparently there are people in, you know, like, uh, uh, Southeast Asia and South America who grind moto because they can get more value out of moto than making, you know, minimum wage in their own country, you know. They can get, you know, 2 to $3 an hour playing moto, or they could, you know, work in the coal field and make a dollar an hour. Or 2 to $3 an hour inside. Versus two to three dollars outside. In a field. Yes, <laughs> that's it. You that don't even have to well. make a. You don't even have to make a different <laughs> wage price. Like inside just, or outside. Fucking inside. I'm here. I'm gonna. I'll, get, I'll you know invest in a chair. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This. Exactly. Well, did, we, did we just offend entire countries? Probably. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think we have a new addition to the podcast right now. We have the one and only High Judge C.J. Schrader. How you doing, man? Hello. Was that High like H-I-G-H, Judge? It, it's according if you are or not. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if you were just saying hello. <laughs> How does he like, know? Like honorific. <laughs> he sees me. <laughs> <laughs> that must be. Was that the reference to the Bob Marley song? I got, I got a judge question here, CJ. Um, here, that's convenient. Yeah, banding work. It's almost like we needed a judge. Yeah. Um, Thing, um, listen, I'm not going to explain it, but we have an entire episode about it. If someone really wants to, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's always just the fun go-to. I have a judge question. Question. It's not. It's not so bad. Uh, that's that's episode eighty two. If anyone really cares, okay, carry on. <laughs> Man, you must keep really good show notes to reference the number off the top of your head. Like, oh, that. I just I just looked it up real quick. Oh, I, remember, okay. I remember the name because it was from Christmas two years ago. CJ, like all judges, have a photographic memory, so don't yes. ever get away with anything, kids. We all always remember. <laughs> we, we only write down penalties for the scorekeepers because judges will never forget. It's it's only for pe- public record. It, all judges have a hive mind, so yeah. if anything happens, it gets sent out to the hive. I think that's reasonable. Statement. Wow, I wish I had that during when I was taking math. <laughs> <laughs> Just any math. Just math in general. 
<laughs> well, I was going to just name all of them, but I like just saying math. <laughs> I think it's referred to as maths. All the maths. <laughs> all of the maths. CJ, we've had a couple conversations already that um, we we could definitely use some judge insight on. Uh, oh, okay. Right now, we're actually talking about um, probably something that only comes up in the legacy format. Well, actually, probably vintage too, but uh, proxy tournaments. Yeah. Never legal. Yeah. <laughs> simple answer, simple question. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so, I mean, DCI has said, for obvious reasons, Wizards wants you actually buying cards, even if they're not yeah. being printed anymore, um, that the all proxy tournaments are obviously not sanctioned. Uh, but even if they're not sanctioned, uh, you're still going to want to have judges there to answer the you know questions that just come up in general. Whenever you you know have a tournament, so have you ever judged a uh, proxy tournament at all? Oh no, no, no not at all. Um, is there? I know the judges have their blogs and their their uh, you know discussion forums. Is there any discussion insight you could uh, lend us about you know running a proxy tournament or what to look out for? I hate to say no, but <laughs> like, it's pretty simple. Don't. <laughs> yeah, you know, for most part, we don't worry about those because those aren't sanctioned. So, yeah. truthfully, you can fix anything however you want. You don't have to follow the rules anymore. You don't have to follow any rules. Less the terms. Yeah. So, uh, so most of the time, whenever a judge is involved in a sanctioned or not sanctioned, sorry, a proxy tournament, uh, they're usually for charity. Because sometimes we'll have some for charity. Um, oh, I didn't realize. Okay. Yeah, sometimes people do, you know, like a food drive, right? And they're like. You bring two cans of food, you get one proxy, you know, uh, for some, uh, something like that. Um, oh. Yeah, what I was referencing earlier was the, our only legacy events in Middle Tennessee. You were bringing a can of Campbell's soup to get yeah, in. Exactly. Um, but you know, all I would really recommend about proxies, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if a judge, if I'm supposed to even. I would say you same thing. I would say it's the same as a um, an altar, right? You don't want it to be noticeable in the deck. Um, so you don't want it to be too thick or something like that, or not feel like a real card. So I would wager, I haven't tried it myself, but I would wager a sheet of paper over a um, land and a sleeve is probably okay. Um, but I'm not 100% sure of that. But kind of also in that same vein with uh, alters is you don't want to alter the card to the point where it's unrecognizable. So if you if you were to do proxies, would you also kind of say... You'd want to represent all the information. You don't want to just write, as we mentioned, you know, FOW on a card and have it represent. Uh, I I would prefer it. I mean, if I was playing in a tournament with proxies, I would prefer people actually printed out the proxies. You know, yeah. at least at least do the bare minimum. Referencing yeah. the uh, like the paper on um, the card, if, if of of course if they don't use too much glue, uh, just like a a light like uh, glue stick or whatever, which is what we did to practice because we. Tr- we built a uh, a gauntlet. Uh, when we were learning Legacy, we wanted to play against the best decks and try to kind of train outside of the the, <laughs> the tournament, I guess. But yeah. but but we didn't want like a thousand basic lands flipped over with like three letters on them. You know, we wanted right. it to to seem like it. And they the the only difference I can tell um, the difference between a real card and one with a you know piece of paper on it if it was glued properly, was when you flick them in your hand, uh, the, of course the one with paper on it is just a little bit, it, it doesn't bend as well as the other ones, and you can tell that, but as far as like shuffling, um, as long as you don't like bridge, as long as you just go like side to side or pile or whatever, like you can't, you know, 
You can't really yeah. tell. Well, we plastered them up. We just used sleeves. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I never used glue. glue. Right. Oh, you know what? I, I am a little. Oh, oh, sleeves over. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah just have the sleeves holding. I thought you meant like over your cards, and I was like, "That's a good idea." We <laughs> <laughs> don't play with sleeves anymore. No, uh, but like, <laughs> yeah, to hold the proxies in place instead of gluing them in, just kind of slip the slip of paper yeah. in. I got you. And then right. once again, this is unsanctioned, so I can't really care too much. Right, about right, right. Cheating. And that's <laughs> that's something I was gonna kind of interject with too. I don't want to, you know, CJ. I don't want to get you in trouble. I know you, you, nah. you guys just had an episode a couple of what a couple of episodes ago. You went over. Um, w- when a judge is and is not representing. Oh yeah, yeah, due to the uh, new code of conduct. Yeah, they have a code of conduct that they have to follow by. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's it's um. So I don't I don't I want to make sure that that I, I don't I'm, I don't want to get you into trouble over anything. I mean, this shit ain't Jerry well, Springer. <laughs> There's I'm, a I'm on it's not Jerry Springer. So I am on this show as a judge uh, and representing a judge is therefore I can't go you know spouting right. racist. Things, but well, yeah, beyond right. that, I, I, I don't think, think we okay. do that either. Yeah, yeah I don't think, I don't okay. think we I do that either. I just don't. <laughs> I just didn't know if part of the code of conduct was like, you know, maybe you're not actually uh, maybe referencing anything about a proxy tournament, just as kind of not yeah. within the code of conduct of a judge. I, like yeah. again, I don't know. It's also not like you're recommending proxies either, because I remember yeah. a little while ago there was that uh, that writer for the mothership. I, I can't remember his name, but he got fired under mysterious circumstances. And the rumor on the street was because in one of his articles, he was talking about uh, people starting up EDH decks and not being able to afford the cards, that because it's EDH and unsanctioned, it's okay to proxy the cards. Mm. And Wizards got <laughs> took a lot of offense to it because he basically said, don't buy magic cards. <laughs> yeah. Did, so I mentioned my Type 4 last time, right? Yes. Yeah, let's just say I don't own, you know, oh, are they all half, proxy? half the cards in that thing. <laughs> Do me a uh, favor, CJ, then. But anyway, so so oh. Jerry here has, has been trying to manifest a Phyrexian Dreadnought forever now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're good on that one, right? Yeah, I think we're good on that one, but now there's just all these other things that have been cropping up. That How did it work out? Cooler. It works. So, <laughs> well, I know that. I, I thought you'd been playing it in a day. Yeah, we spent, we spent three episodes debating whether it works. And finally, we decided oh, it works. I thought you were trying a, a, a deck brew out. Oh, I don't no, think you're no. discussing if it worked or not. <laughs> no, it was literally, it works. It's legal. <laughs> but there is a yeah. brew. The brew is coming soon. I'm waiting for the, the set to officially release before I... Uh, Three more episodes. <laughs> Three more episodes. You'll have one. <laughs> <laughs> but now, it's, uh, you know, some of our uh, fan base, uh, Brandon DeFoza, give him props for bringing this to light, is an awesome little yeah, Legion's awesome. card. Yeah, yeah I know. He, he, he hit me up early on, on Twitter when we started doing this because he had heard the episode with Celso, and I realized like he had never even heard the episode with you because nobody ever heard the episode with you. And I, I've been telling Jerry for like, I don't know, three months now, I'm like, we got to get Houston back on here. <laughs> yeah, someone still made it on an official episode before me. <laughs> yeah, Houston was on up. the Shadow episode, the first ever episode that was never released because it was never recorded. No. <laughs> <Zero>. <laughs> Yeah, um, zero. But uh well, we'll Brett, say that that was the best episode. It was. And no one can say we're wrong. It's yeah. all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> episode zero, our peak. We peaked early. <laughs> We're trying to make up for it for sixteen episodes. Episodes. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so yeah. So Brendan brought up this sweet little legions card called Skirk Alarmist. So Skirk Alarmist is one colorless, one red for a one-two haste, and it has an ability. Turn target face down creature you control face up. At end of turn, sacrifice it. 
And I believe CJ is familiar with this card. Yeah, so Adrian brought it up to me um, earlier, and so I, I have a Morph EDH deck. I've always been really big on Morph. Oh, um, perfect. Yeah, actually, speaking back to the proxies, my Morph deck is uh, it's all clear sleeves, and in the back, because Morph tokens didn't exist when I created oh, this. That is awesome. In the back, I printed out a bunch of uh, Morph sleeves, right? Yeah. She's a favorite Morph, and my that deck is significantly thicker than any other EDH deck, so it's amazing how much... Um, paper adds, but I guess when you think about it, it's a hundred sheets of paper, right? Yeah. So it adds that much thickness. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sorry. Back to the skirt. Yeah. So basically, our question is, what does it work with, and what doesn't it work with, and what happens when you flip certain things up that aren't creatures to begin with? So I assume, unless I'm completely wrong in my rules knowledge, that you can flip a manifest card face up with Skirk Alarmist. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's a face-down card. So it's, it's kind of like what I was touching on last episode I was on, right? Um, Morph and Manifest are just two means of making a face-down permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the things that interact with face-down permanents, because there's also um, Ixador, I think, can do it, and also a card called Break Open, I believe, are the yes. ways to turn things face up. Um, uh, let's just, you know, let's just be thorough. Let's go through all of them. So yep. creatures, that's pretty easy. The yep. creature turns face up. No problem. And then you um, set yeah, Skirk Alarmist will make you sacrifice it. Uh, break open and Ixidor will not. Right. Yep. <clears throat> it's at end of turn, right? Yes, at end of yeah. turn. Yes. Um, enchantments, because I know it's where you're leading. Uh, <laughs> How did any, you know? <laughs> Every permanent is just going to turn face up. No problems. Uh, lands, anything like that. Uh, planeswalkers, they're permanents too. But where they get a little cute is they uh, planeswalkers have an intrinsic enters the battlefield replacement effect that says, you know, as this enters the battlefield, put X loyalty counters on it, mm. um, equal to their starting loyalty, right? So, Planeswalkers, though, if you're turning it face up, it's not entering the battlefield, so it's not going to get the loyalty counter. So, if you turn them face up, they're just going to go to the graveyard, because they have no loyalty on them. Oh, I would not have known that. That's very good to know. I'm and not then knowing the, anyone until they try to do it. I know, right? <laughs> you're going to let everyone do it once. The guy who has the Karn Skirk Alarmist deck. All right, you flipped it. Sad. All right, well, I'm going to put... No, you don't put dice on it. It dies. <laughs> but you did it. You did it. Um, Judge. And then, of course, the big one people... Well, I don't think anyone cares about tribal as a type, but the uh, big one people are asking about is instants and sorceries. Um, so if if you try to do something that will turn an instant or sorcery face up, uh, what you'll do is you'll end up revealing the instant or sorcery, but then you just put it back face down. Um okay. Oh, oh. let's go to the graveyard. No. Uh, let me double-check the wording on Skirk Alarmist here, but I'm pretty sure it'll still get sacrificed. Okay. Oh, I would have thought it just goes to the graveyard. Turn target face down, creature you control face up, and in a turn. Yeah, you're still going to sacrifice it. Even though you didn't turn it face up, uh, you're still going to sacrifice it. Mm-hmm. So and, I don't... And, and the instant just gets turned face ba- face down again because yeah. it wasn't cast? It It's because an instant or sorcery can't exist on the battlefield. Okay. So they had to make a rule to handle this situation. Oh, so this is like a new rule from that didn't really exist before. Well, I guess it probably existed. Well, actually, no. No. So, yeah, this is a new new rule. It was impossible to get a face-down instant or sorcery before this point. So, now, if I use the Skirk Alarmist, or let's say, so if Jerry uses the Skirk Alarmist, now, who, who's saying Jerry's going to be using the Skirk Alarmist? I mean, well, innocent until proven guilty. Because you just got a play set of foils. <laughs> <laughs> so if Jerry uses the Skirk Alarmist and taps it to flip over the Omniscience, 
And, mm-hmm. and, and I know it's an omniscience because he's revealed it. And he, so he went to put omniscience open. Does he have to sacrifice that omniscience at the end of turn? Absolutely. Okay, so he has till the end of turn to combo out and kill me. Yep. So even though yeah. it's not a creature anymore, you still have to sacrifice it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, so the circle arms again is a turn target face down creature you control face up. So all of those words between target and face up are uh, just a targeting restriction. All it cares about is um, that you are targeting something that is face down and it's a creature you control. That's all that cares about, and then okay. it's telling you what to do to it, which is turn it face up. All right. Uh, so it doesn't matter whether or not it's a cre- whether or not the actual card type is a creature. Yeah, it, it won't matter after this ability has resolved. Okay. The rest of the card doesn't really care what it is. Okay. Um, so now we're in game two, and I play Grafdigger's Cage. Did I just shut down his deck? Like, uh, can he? He can't manifest with a Grafdigger's Cage, right? No, and if you wanted me to explain that, it'd be a little tough. But the uh, <laughs> the truth is, so the easy explanation for that is because Matt Tayback, rules manager, said so. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You said turn it face up? Or, well, it can turn face up because... Yeah, it absolutely can turn face up. There's no problems there. No, no. Oh. Oh, all right. Yeah, I wasn't imagining actually morphing a graph digger's cage. I was actually trying to no. figure out if I set, if I played a graph digger's cage, can he manifest after that? Manifest off the top of his library? Yeah. Okay. Because we're, we're in that weird terminology phase where people say manifest, and sometimes they mean manifest as in turn a creature face up, and sometimes okay. they mean it as put a creature in face down 2-2. Two, two. Technically, right. it means that second thing, but... Uh, okay, yeah, right, because I think the last time you were on, I thought we decided as a group we should use to start using the terminology that you I, mentioned. I, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> you, know you don't have to listen to me. Um, okay, so can they manifest from the top of the library if a graph digger's cage is out? And the answer is no. That's what I was saying. Okay. Um, the the reason is kind of, in order to manifest, the first thing we do is we, we kind of turn that, that thing into a face-down creature. Um, and then we look at whether or not it can enter the battlefield. So, okay. in this case, you know, we kind of turn into this pseudo-creature that's in the library, um, and we attempt to make it into the battlefield, but it can't, and the graph digger's cage stops it. Okay. And so, same, if there, uh, there are cards that manifest in the graveyard, so it'd be the same problem. So, if it's already been manifested, it's in play face down, you can turn it up no problem, because it's already in play. Graphically. Yep, and Grafdiggers just says, you know, they can't enter the battlefield. It's already on the battlefields, yeah. face down. But if you're trying to manifest from the top of your library, uh, it can't come into play because Grafdigger doesn't let it. Yeah. You guys want to know something cool? So, I okay, I love Morph. Like, I already said I have a Morph EDH deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I probably, like, studied Morph more than any other um, judge. <laughs> I don't know, that might be a bold words, but I don't think anyone's going to call me on it. Um like, I even gave a seminar on Morph. We had an episode on Judge Cast on Morph. So, anyway, something cool you can do uh, is if you have a manifested creature or a face-down creature from Morph, this is legacy relevant. That's why I never get to talk about this. And awesome. someone tries to kill it with something with split second, you can still turn it face up. Ooh. Yeah, there was a, um, what's the blue creature I almost picked up last week with the Skirk Alarm? that when he flips over, it's a misdirection. Yeah, there's him, uh, Wilbender. Yeah. There's uh, at least one other that counters when he turns face up, and there's one in cons that ca- uh, spell jacks when he turns face up. And they can all do it. They can all counter um, the thing that's being with split second. So. Crows and grip split second to Will Bender, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 
how they're going to close and grip your... What am I omniscience? Because that's what I'm playing with. Oh, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> well, that's sure. Assume there's an omniscience in play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's always pretty cool, and that's because turning it face up is a special action. It's not an activated ability, and it's not casting a spell, which are the two things that uh, uh, split second stops. And then they have a triggered ability on turning face up, which split second also does not stop triggered abilities. But I think people know that because of the Chalice of the Void. Um, yeah. Like, if Chalice of the Void is on three and you cross and grip it, your grip is still countered. Right. So that's a cool thing about Morph to me. Yeah, that is really cool. I did not know that. I think I got one more um, one sure. more thing I'd like you to chime in on if you can. Yeah, I got <laughs> uh, All right, so if you could just validate this as a legal play. Um, Absolutely. So me and Jerry are playing, and, he, and he's playing in his bug deck. And yeah, I have an omniscience in play. Yeah, I, I, I have... Uh, <laughs> Um, let's say I have, I don't care, Delver's Secrets or something, and he goes to Abrupt Decay, my Delver's Secrets. Can I cast Misdirection and misdirect it back to his true name, Nemesis? Yeah, so the problem here will be your mis... Uh, no, actually, everything here was totally legal. Because the Misdirection is targeting the Abrupt Decay, it will resolve. You're going to change his Abrupt Decay to target his own true name, Nemesis, which is legal, because that's not the chosen player. Yeah, everything's good. So I can misdirect abrupt decay so it's the plowshares at my opponent's true ne- nemesis in a one-on-one. Yep. Yeah. Unless he named himself. Right. <laughs> Which is next level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you coming? Firebolted. Because I'm playing Willbenders now. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, CJ, I have a question that's been causing quite a bit of debate among my own uh, local playgroup here. And it's about a new cons card, and it's all over a little bit of punctuation. Um, okay. So the card in question is Humble Defector. Oh, yeah. I know about yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. One colorless, one red, two one. Tap. Draw two cards. Period. Target opponent gains control of Humble Defector. Activate this ability only during your turn. Yeah. Um, basically, people are trying to figure out... and. Basically, how you rule is going to determine whether this card is legacy playable or not. So, so rule well. Okay. <laughs> um, but like that makes an effect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, changing my changing my response now. Yeah. <laughs> right. CJ said this. The stock just dropped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the Warren Buffett of magic rules. <laughs> but so um, you yeah, want to know what's it cost and what's. Yeah, basically, what can you do in between that period of draw two cards and target opponent gains control of him? Oh, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> you can't do anything in the middle of a spell resolving. So now, follow-up question, because uh, I felt that was going to be your answer. What, what can you do with the ability on the stack and yeah. when it starts resolving? So before it starts resolving, you can do anything you want. And there's lots of great things you can do, like untap the defector. Mm-hmm. Um, sacrifice the defector. Mm-hmm. You know, unsummon, unsummon uh, the defector. Perfect. So what I'm assuming is, so say I untap the defector and then tap him again. Yep. Why draw four cards and then an opponent gains control of it? So here's what'll happen. So here's the stack. You tap him right, and the stack is draw two cards. Blah 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 blah. Then in response to that, you uh, what did you say you wanted to do? Untap him. Yep. So in response to that, you you untap them so that the untap ability resolves. Um, and then in response 
once still in response to his own ability, you tap him again. And I, I need to go a little bit more in depth about uh, these responses, but I will in a second. Uh, okay. You tap him again, so his ability goes draw two cards, blah, 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 blah. On both of those times, you, you targeted the opponent because you have to choose the target when your ability goes on the stack. The first, the, the second one you activated, I'm doing like hand signs to show the stack, but I guess it's not helping much. <laughs> no, we, we follow along. The second one you activated will resolve first. You'll draw two cards, and at that point, your opponent will gain control of the humble defector. And then the first one you activated will resolve, and you'll draw two more cards. Um, the opponent, I mean, I guess they gain control of it again if you want, but it doesn't matter. They already have control of it. But you'll, you'll gain four, draw four cards. Um, so the little trick there is, uh, Whenever you activate an ability or cast a spell or basically use priority in any way, <clears throat> according to the strict rules, you get priority back. But how people play, that would be extremely annoying, is if yes. every time you're like lightning bolt your bear cub past priority so that they knew they had priority, it would just be really annoying. It's so like it's, playing against blue. Yeah. It's like <laughs> magic online rules in real life. So it, there's a tournament shortcut that says uh, anytime you add an object to the stack or use your priority, you are assumed to be passing priority unless you explicitly retain it. Right. Um, so why this is important is if you want to do this little combo, you have to say, you know, use my humble defector, retain priority, uh, use my cures, followers, or whatever we're using to untap it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then you'll pass priority on that one. It'll resolve. And then you'll have priority again because it's your turn, so on and so forth. I got you. Uh, so like, you, you got to be explicit. You can't tap it and then wait for your opponent to respond first. That won't work. You, yeah, you have to using priority. It's like Infernal Tutor on the stack. I'll sacrifice Lion's Eye Diamond. Uh, or, <laughs> or what they do is they 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 say sacrifice Lion's Eye Diamond, holding priority Infernal Tutor. Yeah. No. No, because if you do it that way, your hand's already discarded. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, yes. you, have, you have to do the Infernal Tutor, maintain priorities. Yes, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway. So. One last ca- caveat of that, because um, I was trying to argue with my friend, because he thought this would work, but everything you've said is followed up for what I thought was going to happen, but he wants to do Humble Defector, activate it, and then activate Sundial of the Infinite. <laughs> Yeah. He won't draw two cards then, will he? Exactly. And I, yeah, I had to break oh that. Gosh. That card has been so many judge questions. Yes. But, I'm not even a judge, <laughs> and I get this all the time. This I'm like, I'm not even a judge. I don't want to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. But I mean, the main thing there is, like I said, once an ability starts to resolve, it resolves. There's no doing things in the middle. Um, and maybe we need to break down this ability a little bit. It's an activated ability, and we know that... Um, your, your show seems a little more PG-13, because the easiest way to remember activated ability is they poop, because they have a colon. <laughs> that's not, okay. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That, is the, that is the least concerning thing said on this. Isn't it? I know. I <laughs> PG-13. Um, so, like, when you look at Humble Defector, it says tap colon, so that's the cost of the ability, is tap, and then the the the, um, the rest of it's just the actual cool. ability is draw two cards, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And you can't stop a poop. You can't stop a poop. Isn't there a... <laughs> Don't people play a card that gives a uh, player's shroud? Uh, oh, it's from Theros. It's the the bear that gives you hexproof. Yeah. So just one thing to mention about this is if your opponent has shroud, you cannot activate it. Because you can't even activate. Like if they have this Lelana Sanctity done, you can't even activate it. Yeah, because no, because it's just target could, opponent. Yeah, they're not a legal target. Yeah. Oh, okay. multiplayer wow. match your fair game though. You can't yeah. Just somebody yeah. else. 
Oh, I would not have thought of that. That's yeah. like one of the ones people activate Liliana with Leyline out and they don't even think and they end up having... Oh, I gotta discard a card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awkward. Well, no, no, Liliana's each player discards a card. Well, no, the sacrifice ability. So yeah. yeah. Oh, I was... Okay, I thought it was the target opponent. Or even worse yeah, is yeah. ultimate Liliana targeting an opponent with a uh, Leyline of Sanctity out. That's, that's real feel-bads. <laughs> Oh yeah. It yeah. actually yeah, it took me a little bit to realize that I'm still getting beat by the Deathrite Shaman that's taken my cards out of my graveyard. When they're like burning me out of the instance, I had a ley line down. They're like, no, it's each player. Uh, no, Just it's play modern. Each, you don't have to worry about that. Each <laughs> opponent loses two life. Nah, I don't want to play modern. It's too much affinity for me. So one thing, another thing, <laughs> with Liliana. Um, just just to be clear, if you're if you're in a competitive or even a regular Ariel event and you your opponent has Shroud and you're like. Uh, you know, sacrifice to sacrifice a creature. Um, no, no judge is going to say you have to target yourself. We're going to say you made an illegal play. We're going to rewind. Oh, okay. okay. So, just to be clear, okay. I I think the the people in our play group are are gentlemen. So they they I there are many times I've been playing opponents. Oh, I would have made them sacrifice, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, many times where I've been playing opponents and they'll do something along those lines and I'll say, it's, it's okay, we can rewind this. And they're like, no, I, I, I made that decision. I'm going to live with my mistake. That's how I become a better player. Yeah, that's actually how I went. It, it, yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Good to know that in, like, higher level, if you're, at, if you're in, like, the final rounds of the GP and that's the difference between you losing and winning, uh, that's that's a good thing to know. I said you, you'll get a warning for game rule violations, so. Oh, okay. It's not like a freebie, a free take back, you know. It, there is a warning because you made an illegal play, and now now we fix it by rewinding the game. Mm-hmm. I hold myself to that same regard, and but I also hold my opponent to that as well. You know, it's like I I if I cast something that I didn't mean to, like I targeted a creature that I didn't mean to, but I said it out loud. Like this actually happened to me on pre-release because I misread a card, and I cast it on the incorrect creature. But I stated the incorrect creature, and I said, "This is not what I wanted to do." And <clears throat> this is this was for the this is the last round. This is the last game or whatever. And I said, "I said if you'll allow me to take it back, then I will, and I'll talk to this other creature. But if not, I'm fine with this." Because he was like, "Oh, you can take it back or whatever." It's like I, I'm okay living with this. You know, this is this is what I cast. Because he was like, "Oh, I didn't hear you say what creature it was." And I was like, "Well, this is this is the one I stated. I said I said this one." I'm in to do this one, but I said this one, this is my this is my play. You can totally hold me to it and I'm not gonna get mad at you, but if you'll let me take it back, I'll put it at that one. <laughs> and you let me <laughs> take it back and I was like, Okay. But I usually hold my I I'll, I'll do that or I'll just be like, Yeah, well I'll just live with it. I was I was dumb and hopefully I won't do that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like doing that in low-level events, too, just because that is how you get better. Uh, if you give yourself freebies and take-backs, your, your muscle memory is just going to feel like you can do that whenever. And then when you actually get to a competitive REL event, you're going to make those mistakes, and you're going to be forced to live with them because your opponent's not going to let you take them back. And sure, sure. And I, and I play the same way. I, I don't... If I make a mistake in my play, I never ask for a take-back. But, but what I was discussing there was specifically... It wasn't yeah, a mistake, it was a breaking a game rule. So there, there is a difference there. No, 100%. It just reminded me of that. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but I'm the same. I'm the exact same. Yeah. I'm like, well, I messed up. I won't get better if I don't, you know. Yeah. My only exception is, uh, like, playtesting. If we're playtesting, sure. like, a matchup, and we need to know how the matchup, you know, unravels or, you know, which deck is better. We're not really, 
it's not really uh, me against my opponent. It's more like this deck versus that deck. Yeah. I'm like, we'll do take backs because an optimal player with this deck should not make that play. Right. We should play like they're playing correctly, you know, especially oh, yeah. before it goes too far. It's like, no, it's definitely, this is the correct play. We should do that. That's a more likely scenario. And then, you know, if you get to the tournament and you play against that deck and they screw up, then cool, but you were ready for the opponent not to screw up. Yeah, the other thing I do take back saying is uh, EDH, because usually we're not 100% sober, and usually there's <laughs> <not too> many, <laughs> oh, yeah. way too many things Sometimes going on. Sometimes there's like 50 permanents on the board, and it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know I couldn't cast instant, sorry. Didn't see it all the way across the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't know I had to pay an extra, or you drew a card, like... <laughs> Do we have uh, any other questions for CJ? Any other uh, questions? I got a, I got a couple of you. You got a little bit more time, CJ. Yeah, I got uh, a few more minutes. Okay, yeah. Um, I will. I'll whittle them down then. So, uh, most importantly, have we talked about the whole world? Well, we talked about it already, but kind of get a judge's opinion. Uh, world Gorger Dragon is now unbanned. Yeah. So. I always thought the main reason why World's Gorgeous Dragon was banned in the first place was because of the infinite loop combo with Animate Dead and not no other legal uh, permanent. Has there been any any you know rules release or anything about how to handle in tournaments going forward? Uh, what happens when a, an opponent makes that infinite loop? No, it's a draw. That's it, it's a, yeah, it's pretty standard. Okay, so so it kind of just the same way as uh, I know in some burn ma- matchups if they do flame rift and they end up killing both players, they have to do a fourth game. Next Sunday we play Jerry. I'm going o o four o o four. Good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's also a draw. So one thing, and and maybe maybe you guys know this, but one thing that I think is commonly misunderstood is we don't play um, you know best of three games of Magic. We play first to win two ma- games. Oh, okay. So the draw just doesn't count. Um, you're still playing. You you know, if you have to play four games to get there, then you'll play four games. I was thinking four rounds, but okay. Or if there's Trahars that are legal, uh, you play seven games sometimes. Okay. Luckily, there is never. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, that was real so, quick. So, yeah, yeah no I, don't, there. I don't know much about the philosophy of banning that card or unbanning it. Um, I did read in the, you know, the ban explanation. They were kind of like, you probably just want to be Animate Dead and Grizzlebrand instead, so... What's like? What's the harm in or or not animate deading in the first place? Because abrupt yeah. is a thing now. And I guess the other thing to mention here is that um, you know, like, and you said it, Jerry. The this only happens if the only legal target for animate dead is uh, the dragon. Mm-hmm. If if you get into this combo and you have another legal target, you have to stop the combo. You can't be like, I'm just gonna keep this combo going and, and draw the game. Um, so if there's any other legal target, including your opponent's graveyard, right? Or does right. animate dead your own your own graveyard? No, no, no. I mean, I, like I've already I've already thought about it where I can get into an animate dead loop of the dragon to get infinite mana with an entomb in hand, and then just entomb Grizzlebrand. Now I have <laughs> infinite mana and a ton of cards. Yeah, but that's that's. Um, I don't know. That's just whether or not I stick a red creature into tin fins, really. I I think more often it's going to come up as you're doing it, and then your opponent's surgical extraction is your other target, and your opponent forces the draw rather than lose to the grizzle brand. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, I could see it. I I could see a more graph digger's case than surgicals, but yeah, I could see that. No, that just doesn't seem fun. (laughs) Surgical (laughs) extracting. Oh, we got a draw. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah. I it's like mutually assured destruction. Yeah, like, no, I, I'm not going to let you win, but I'm not going to win either. I mean, I guess you could I mean, try to get up a game and then just keep forcing sure. draws for the rest of the round. I guess. Oh my God. When does important. that become slow play, though? Never. Like, 
Never, just never, because you're actually you're doing things? Playing. Yeah, as yeah. long as you're actually playing, um, you're fine. Now, if you're just sitting there staring at your opponent and being like, I have priority, yeah. that's You can't get slow play for playing, like, eggs or uh, what's the the mono blue one that goes crazy? How did they... Because well, they, they just keep playing. Like, no, as long as tide? they're making plays, like... Uh, high tide? Not, yeah, high tides. Yeah. Like, high tide. I got... It, both like that and eggs took forever to go off, but it's not swift play because they're still doing actions, still casting cards, still yeah. tapping, I still believe. doing stuff. It just takes forever. Like if you're in a legacy tournament and you're like, this round has been over for 20 minutes. What is happening? Uh, it's tide. usually high tide, yeah, because or, we're, or miracles. We're, yeah. we're untimed and they can spend 10 minutes on one turn, even though we mm-hmm. have five additional turns. So oh my yeah, gosh. it's the worst. I, I was at an SCG yeah. and round one next to me was a uh, feline. Uh, the really famous uh, high tide player. The only oh. famous high tide player, right? Yes, the only famous <laughs> high tide player. Oh, no. And her round one opponent was Enchantress. Yeah. And I was just like, I have time to go get food. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, okay, so that that kind of makes sense. And the other thing we were talking about earlier is, are you familiar with the, the Four Horsemen uh, yep. deck and why that was banned too? I, we were afraid that it was going to kind of fall under that. Um, how four horsemen no. decks aren't really allowed. Okay, I can explain the difference. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Wait, we're talking about cars or we're talking about alcohol? <laughs> this is a legacy deck. A very, okay. very unknown. <laughs> All right, so I actually have no idea what four horsemen does, but I do know why it's banned, and I can explain that. Yes, well, know. it's it's not banned, first off. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's frowned upon. Yeah, it's frowned upon. I know what it will do. <clears throat> so here's the thing. If you're doing a loop... You need to be able to say, I'm going to repeat this loop this many times, and this is what the game state will look like at the end. Or it needs to be just one of these uncontrollable infinite loops. So in those, you know, the uncontrollable infinite loops are going to end in a draw, but, you know, most of the loops are like, uh, what is it, uh, Malira and, and, you know, something with Persist, whatever. Uh, yeah, you can be like, what? Omniscience? <laughs> you can be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I will gain, you know, 500 life and do this this many times. That's fine. Those loops are always fine. Um, the problem with Four Horsemen is you, you're basically saying, I'm going to do X, Y, Z some number of times, and statistically speaking, eventually, you know, if I had infinite time, my library would end up as some way. But I can't tell you how many times it'll take for this to happen, um, and I can't tell you what the resulting game state in the end will be. So that's why loops like, uh, like the Four Horsemen loop are are slow play. They're considered slow play. Um, you're allowed to do them like once or twice maybe, but if you don't hit after that, it's considered slow play because you're just, you know, you're just doing things with no real end goal in sight. And is that partly because it, it, part of that combo was being randomized? Like, I, I think I was, yeah. I, I think I used to tether the line when I was doing um, Blue Red Omni Show was I would burning wish for a Petals of Insight out of the sideboard and then I could cycle through the deck and put like a Burning Wish on the top three and an Emrakul on the bottom three, and eventually I'm going to end up with two Burning Wishes and an Emrakul, which, I mean, I didn't even need to do that to kill, but, like, if it was... I think the reason why that's allowed is because it's a finite. There are only so many cards in your deck. Right, well, unless the the deck is divisible by three. Like, if the deck is divisible by three, I actually can't do it with the remaining card library, because I'm only looking at three at a time. I can't actually stagger one across that border. But I feel like the corner enough case that they just let it slide. That one's, yeah, I don't see a problem there because... There wasn't what I needed to do to... Uh, that's not, yeah, that, that's really not an easy way to, one to loop through because you're drawing the cards there. 
Yeah, and I just, had, I just yeah. had to check with the head judge when I went to play. I said, "Is it okay?" They had just like they they had just started trying to like I don't want to I don't know how else to put it, but they were just at the time trying to dismantle Four Horsemen. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to check with the head judge and make sure that it was okay that I was playing Petals of Insight with Omniscience. The main reason with Four Horsemen why it's frowned upon is because they have an Emmercool in the deck as a failsafe because it's about milling themselves, but yeah. they uncontrolled mill, so they have an Emrakul in the deck as a failsafe to prevent them from completely milling themselves. But because you shuffle your deck... They randomize their own combo. It, and however improbable it is, there's always a chance that Emrakul could just be the top card every time, and you're just shuffling your deck over and over again, and that's why it's considered slow play, because you don't yeah. know where that Emrakul is going to be. So, Agent, what did the head judge say for your case? Cause, so I, I, I checked with him in advance. I said, is it okay that I'm playing Petals of Insight in, with uh, Omniscience? And he just said, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. the rest of my sideboard was really... I mean, I didn't need to stagger the deck up in, in order to set up a win. Like, I, the sideboard was just all win conditions, so I could actually... Petals of Insight, then Burning Wish again for Attendals of Agony, which was enough to do it. Or I could Burning Wish to the sideboard for a Living Wish for Ulamog and blow up whatever the permanent was. Yeah. Just like, if, if I needed to, I, if I needed three cards, I could use Petals of Insight to actually stagger those three cards into the deck the way that I wanted them. Yeah. Provided that the remaining library count was not divisible by three. Yeah, it seems like it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Cool. CJ, do you have time for one more quick question? All right, one more question. One more, more quick one. Then he's going to get back to the rest of the tournament. Yep, just yeah. because this one's only relevant now, uh, and it revolves around uh, Survival of the Fittest, because there was a rumor <laughs> Survival of the Fittest might have been unbanned in the most recent interaction. But, but it wasn't, but it's relevant. But it wasn't, but I just hey. want to get the answer. Just so, in case in the future. <laughs> public service announcement. Do you know how easy it is to fake that page? Yeah. I did it in about ten minutes the other day. Well, it wasn't even the the fake page that came out. It was the fact that uh, Survival of the Fittest doubled in price over the last month, and it uh, was very similar to the uh, Bitter Blossom run-up before Bitter Blossom got unbanned. Um, so people saw a correlation there and thought that was what was going to happen with Survival. Yeah, okay. Um, well, another little thing, then. Um, people don't have advanced knowledge of what's going Yeah. They, they really don't. I know everyone wants to think there's these secret... Councils, <laughs> they don't. They don't know. I, I promise I you, they don't know. GG Illuminati. Yeah, the, the shadow government of wizards. They're gonna be Prince Imperial recruiter. <laughs> but anyways, when that rumor was circulating wildly, people were already coming up with deck lists for it, and one of them was a Vengevine deck list mm-hmm. uh, running Basking Rootwalla. And my question with it is how madness timing works. Ooh, okay. So. <laughs> you said a quick question. All right, maybe not quick. <laughs> <laughs> and this was this was with Fauna Shaman, right? It, it, the people are using it with Fauna Shaman now because it's just a good enough deck that it's working without survival, and the you know the powered down version and pa- Fauna Shaman is good enough. But if survival was legal, it would just probably break the deck. Okay. So first, I'll say that um, madness is probably one of my weaker. Abilities. I hope you guys don't look down on me. <laughs> no. but it's I, so I'm relevant gonna, all the time, right? Yeah, I'm actually going to look at the rules. Make up for it in your morph knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> um, so you want to know if you discard the, the Basking Root Walla to the survival of the fittest? Find a Vengevine. Discard uh, the Vengevine to survival again. Find us either a Memnite to just cast it or a second Root Walla to discard that as well. Can you have that first root walla that started the whole chain off? Uh-huh. Is that still floating in madness lands that you can cast it after you've discarded the vengevine you found with it? 
Okay, so so what you're trying to do is cast two two creatures, and then you get the Vindivine back. Is that correct? It's been a while. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. All right. Let me see here. I gotta cheat and look at the rules for once. <laughs> and it's, uh... You're really spoiling the uh, the whole hive mind perception. I know, I know. I know. That's all right. I can edit that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, he didn't even have to look it up. It was off the top of his head like that. Yeah. Yeah. Some real so quick. Okay. Every yeah, once like, in a while we do have to look something up, but. Yeah, it's like you may want a top deck. Judges want a top of the head. So Houston, uh, while he's looking that up, um, Houston, this is just the most fun I've ever had watching an SCG, um, any really any legacy game. Um, one of the guys in, a, in the Facebook group, anyways, was playing Shardless Bug, and he had a Sylvan Library down, and his opponent was playing Punishing Jund and had out Chains of Mephistopheles. Are you familiar with either one of those cards? <laughs> yeah, I have to look at chains again. It's, 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 we, well, the fun thing that was the, the thing that was so fun. I know it usually uh, it does something different than it says. No, not completely. But it's it, it's just it, it's got a long a long. Well, I have to look up the oracle. Yeah, it's just yeah. one of those cards where you could have a foreign version and it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> if, um, so, but there was there was eleven judges with their phones trying to look up any part of it. But it was uh, well, it, Adrian. If you remember last time CJ was on, he oh, stopped know, he, at that because he solved it on his own. Yeah, well, yeah, he solved it on his own in like two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't understand what the problem was. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I thought it was just awesome watching eleven judges with their phones scratching so. each other's heads. <laughs> so uh, madness. Yeah. So first off. So here's what Madness does is uh the first thing is if you were if you would discard it you can uh instead put it in exile. Well, you still discard it, so it still triggers waste not if anyone cares. But you uh you put it in exile instead of putting it into a graveyard. So that's the first ability. Then the second part of Madness says, um so when this card is exiled this way, its owner may cast it by paying whatever cost, so zero in this case, rather than paying its mana cost. If that player doesn't, he or she puts this card into his or graveyard. So what does that mean? You discard the so is there any way for you to get the Vengevine first? Um, I guess if you had Vengevine already, you could just... I, yeah. I think that this would work anyways if you started with Vengevine instead of starting with Rootwalla. You just uh, discard Vengevine, find Rootwalla, discard Rootwalla, find something else. Either me, another Rootwalla. Yeah, so let me explain what happens there. So that last ability I read is a triggered ability, and it triggers when you exile the card for Madness. Um, what that's going to mean is that that triggered ability is going to go on the stack basically the moment you discard the Basking Rootwalla. So you'll have triggered ability to cast Basking Rootwalla. If, we, if we're following the order you, you told me earlier, mm-hmm. then we'll have Basking, uh, triggered ability to cast Vengevine, and finally triggered ability to cast other Basking Rootwalla. So you'll cast the other Basking Rootwalla. You know, the stack's going to resolve top to bottom. So you'll cast the other Basking Rootwalla. Um, then you'll cast, you know, then you have to either... Oh, I'm sorry. Jeez. I'm all, I'm all over the place right now. Um, you're not the the uh, Vengevine doesn't have madness, so this is silly. Okay, <laughs> you guys can stop me if I start talking about. Well, Vengevine I trusted you. I was like, yeah. does that? Why is that on the stack with it? Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. And I'm making sure survival isn't like as a sorcery or something. Okay, yes, I think you can do this then. Oh. Okay, activate survival, discard, um, Rootwalla, discard Rootwalla. Uh, search. Oh, no, sorry. You can't do it. All right. Let's, let me go through why. Okay. So the activation cost to activate, uh, Survival of the Fittest is to pay green and discard a creature card, right? I think everyone knows that. Um, the ability to search your library for a creature card, ETC, ETC. So, you activate the ability, you put, which, you put the ability on the stack, you pay its cost, you pay the cost of discarding the creature card. 
what that's going to do is put the um, Rurala Madness Trigger on the stack above Survival of the Fittest. So you have to choose whether or not to cast that Rurala right now before Survival of the Fittest Search has resolved. Okay. Uh, as a, it was a roundabout way of getting there, but yeah. It's yeah, not, it's not like a, you can cast it till end of turn. Uh, no, no, no. You have to cast it right when that trigger's resolving. It's kind of like a miracle in that way. Uh, yeah, I know that's how madness used to work. I just didn't know if it was still the case because yeah. before morph was printed, madness used to um, just ha- have its own zone where you would discard the card and it would be in the madness zone until end of turn. Because I remember back in uh, Odyssey Block Constructed people would discard Circular Logic and just have it off to the side, and their opponent would forget about it, and they would try and cast something, and then they would then cast Circular Logic from Exile. And then with one of the rules changes, they they basically made it, it has to happen immediately. Interesting. Yeah. So, unfortunately, it won't work because it's going to it's gonna trigger. Um, so, Fauna Shaman, Shaman has the exact same text, I assume. We can't try to trick something. Yeah. Very yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but it won't work on a stick. Yeah, it does work if you do it the other way and you just discard Vengevine to find Ruwala. It's yeah. just, it doesn't work both ways, unfortunately. Yeah, if you discard the Vengevine, you'll be fine. Um, let's see here. Because then you'll just immediately search, and then you can discard. Yeah, you'll be fine yeah. there. All right. Awesome. Well, um, so I think uh, there's, there's one more question. And, and <laughs> this is this is really not even... I don't, I'm not even going to take this serious, but I'm going to read it anyway. Okay. Uh, so on your way back to the tournament, if you'd like to reply to this question at all, it's from a Mr. John Celso. Okay. Oh, so what happens to Bitty Kitty if she's targeted with Turn to Frog, which resolves when Conspiracy is on the battlefield naming Cat? Okay, so Conspiracy is already out naming Cat. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to take this serious. You know. Oh He's, man, that guy's it's, a jerk. It's easy. <laughs> she'll be a she'll be a blue frog, a one one blue frog. A one one blue frog, bitty kitty. Yeah, that's it. Okay. It's actually a really easy question. <laughs> I mean, my easy question, which I thought was easier than it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yours. I was just messing up the stack there. Awesome. Well, almost got me, but I, I got there. Thank you so much for coming on, CJ. No that, problem. Those yeah. questions have been eating at me for a while, so I'm glad I got those put to rest. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot, CJ. Okay, yeah. thanks again. All right, take care. Judge out. <laughs> Judge out. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. Uh, definitely got some things uh, nagging at us put to rest. Hopefully you guys learned something with that. Yeah, yeah John's so. a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was. He, he, I. I was looking for like anybody. If anybody had any sort of a judge question, first person that chimes in is John with that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He goes follow up questions. Oh, and I forgot to ask him that. I guess follow up question. What happens when turned to frog is redirected to milkshake? All right. Which is another one of CJ's cats. And then um, eventually he put up another one. And I just I I called up Aaron. I'm like, Aaron, so is this Delver? Because <laughs> like that was, that, was uh, that was one of the plays at TE. It was actually that was really cool with John coming up and playing that. So and I know you're not flying up from Tennessee to check out Carl's, but if you ever want to, let me know. <laughs> yeah, if you ever want to come to Massachusetts, Central Massachusetts, to eat at a diner, diner. <laughs> I never know. Wow, man. Well, I think I think we've covered a wide range of topics tonight. I think I haven't had a cigarette in two and a half hours. I don't even know how the fuck I'm sitting still. Adrian, we just got to cast five nights a week, and then we'll get you to kick the habit. Yeah, there's a solution right there. Yeah, I'll probably do it if I just if I could just quit my job. 
Wait, how That's does that help? Weird, though. I love my fucking job. Though. Wouldn't that make you more stressful? What's that? Like, is it stressful job? the biggest excuse to smoke, and if you quit your job, wouldn't that increase that? <laughs> no, actually, I mean, my my job is actually really fucking good. I, I like my job, and I like the guys I work with. And and there's no... It Call really one of those. It, it doesn't, it, the thing is, is, it doesn't matter what the fuck is going on. I'm going to smoke because I'm going to smoke. Like, it, it, I've actually, I've already come to the realization, like, my smoking has absolutely nothing to do with fucking anybody else in the world. Like... It doesn't. It doesn't fucking matter. I quit. I think I quit for like two or three months ago, at some point last year. But what happens is, like, after about three months, I find all sorts of things to be pissed off about. Where all I have, to, I just want a cigarette. And then as soon as I have a cigarette, I remember that. Oh yeah, they only sold these in packs. Then I got nineteen more. Just borrow. That I, you know how much Keep I hate that him. fucking guy. Oh, oh I hate. I hate that fucking guy. Yo, can I can I get a cigarette? And, you know, it's not guy. It's not singular. Guy. There's fucking a hundred and thirty of them. Yeah. You know what? Here's a little cute thing, right? Last time we're at the fucking local store, local store, and we're doing the tournament. Me and a couple of guys go outside to smoke a cigarette. Guy walks up, and he looks at um, my buddy Aaron, who's with me. He's like, "Can I get a cigarette?" Aaron gives him a cigarette. The guy's standing around. Hey, you got a dollar? <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? Aaron's like, "No." And, and we, the guy had his own lighter. I'm like, wow, I thought he was going to ask you for a cigarette, a lighter, a dollar. You got a job, anything? I can do yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on? Want a blowjob? <laughs> yeah. um, Matter yeah. of fact, trade you a cigarette for it. See, see, my go-to is whenever I'm outside of a bar um, and someone comes up and they see me and I'm just like, oh, I, I bummed this one myself. <laughs> so they can't argue I just always that. say last one. I don't smoke. And you, People <laughs> will ask me, they'll be like, hey, can I bum a cigarette? And I'm just like... I don't. I, I I just smoked my last one, <laughs> but I say that every time. And and that guy will come up to me next round, yeah, and just be like, yeah, I kept almost. This is like a GP though, not like a local story. He yeah. came up to me next round. I was like, oh, I just smoked my last one, because <laughs> I would just go outside and talk to my friends that did smoke. Yeah. See, luckily, I only I'm only a smoker when I drink. So I, I've I've definitely seen that going outside and just seeing like smokers row outside the GP. Well, I thought you just said you're only you only smoke when you gamble when you had your birthday. I mean, I mean, I only gamble when I drink. So that <laughs> I only sure smoke like, and gamble when I drink. Like during How the often weekends, do you think, like a chain of events. <laughs> I'm pretty sure during the weekends of a GP, like the Magic community has like some small percentage of like destroying the ozone layer, like ourselves. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say affecting the economy of Virginia. <laughs> Oh no, no! All those tobacco plantations rolling it no. up. That's <laughs> no. You, you, it looks like a, just a smokestack going up. Like if you go off in a <laughs> distance, you go to go get some food, and you're like on your way back, and you're like, "Oh, where's the event? Oh, there's a cloud of smoke. It's right there." Smoke Found it. I always <laughs> wonder that too, especially at like uh, GP New Jersey, is with all the smokers. If if the building ever went went up in flames. Like, it would significantly affect the magic economy because all these millions of dollars, or I don't even know, probably probably getting close to a million dollars in cards, counting vendors and players just up in flames. Yeah, it's like then 10 vintage what, decks gone. Yeah. yeah then what would happen to Legacy? But that, let's be honest, that building was not going down because I saw pictures of that place. It looked like a parking garage. Oh, it was. It like, was that a thing was not going down. Oh, GP like, New Jersey? Yeah. yeah. There, was very, there was very little fabric in that entire place. <laughs> and I bet everyone in John Avon's line would have died. At, you know, they wouldn't, like, give up their spot. They would have just died, burned it down. Uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we have a fire alarm. I'm, like, 37th in line. I'm going to wait it out. <laughs> yeah. I'll take my chances. Uh, John Avon. And there's yeah. a fire, like... Clearly, I picked John Avon. <laughs> Clearly. 
one of my friends waited in that line, and he waited for like two and a half hours, and he got uh, like five card signs, and he said, John Avon's been there for like eight hours, and he's still chipper as all hell, having conversations with people. Uh, so props off to that guy. Props off to Cheery Stanima. Cheery Stanima. Well, speaking of props off. Cheery Stanima. Just, just let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I just changed a couple, you know, letters. Yeah, put the wrong one. Fastest <laughs> on the wrong syllable, right? Thumbs <laughs> up, <to> Twisted. <laughs> okay. Top eight pairings have been posted. Uh, Adrian, anyone you want to scoop into top eight tonight? Yeah, um,. I'm going to start by scoop, scooping uh, at TNS Ginger Ale into top eight. Um, uh, who's that? That's Houston. Uh, hey! Houston. Uh, and, and people uh, can find him at at TNS Ginger Ale <laughs> on Twitter. They can find him at Tap and Sack on the MTG Cast Network. And uh, w- without him, I would have never figured out what the hell I was supposed to do when I did a press record. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you returned with us for uh, for a second Anyway, yeah, that's great. A good time. First and official guest. <laughs> and and I want to scoop into top eight CJ Schrader for answering all of the questions, including what happens when something is cast at Biddy Kitty with conspiracy on the stack. Thanks, <laughs> John Celso. Um, you know who else I actually want to actually want to scoop into top eight is uh, Bradley Ring, um, and and. This isn't anything that uh, Houston's going to be aware of, but uh, so Bradley Ring recently joined that Facebook page too, and he actually hit me up with a question on, and, and this is kind of funny, man. All right, so Houston, I'm not like I'm just a guy that fucking has a job and likes to play Legacy, like that's, um, but it's kind of funny. Every once in a while, somebody will like ask me a question. Somebody asked me a question when they first heard this. They were like, "Hey, what do you think I should play at the SCG tomorrow?" I'm like, "Dude, I have no fucking idea." <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, I play ten draft, man, play draft, play all the <laughs> So, but but it's draft cool, warriors. you know. But the thing is, is like, I don't tell anybody shit that I know nothing about. You know what I mean? Like, I won't. I, like, that's just fucking stupid. I, I don't. I know. I know my limitations. Like, I'm not about to start talking about fucking miracles because I don't play it. I know it takes. I know it takes some skill to play it because I played against people who proxy it up and I I stomp them. Um, but so this guy actually asked me about his mud deck and I am not familiar with mud and um, so I want to I wanted to scoop in the top 8 Bradley Ring anyway and <laughs> sorry I also, we couldn't help you <laughs> well, no, no I have no. advice well, no. uh, pray that your hand's good because if you're not you have to mulligan it and if that one's not good you probably have to go to the next game well no what I ended up what I ended up oh. doing is, is the other person I want to scoop in the top 8 is Aaron Gazaniga because he's a guy that I know that knows mud I asked him if he would uh Give Brad any information on his deck, and um, so yeah, so it was. Uh, yeah, if we can't give you advice, we'll uh, point you in the right direction. Yeah, because we know enough people that play enough different types of decks. This, this guy's that we know, like, you know, I mean, it, I was, I was saying, I'm like, if it's strong and it's not blue, Aaron knows how to play it. <laughs> um, if it's, if it's a combo deck, I may not be the best, but I'm probably fucking familiar with it. If it's something that's like pretty obscure. Jerry knows what's going on with it, too. <laughs> but, like, there's, there's guys that we play with. Like, Nick is reanimator. You know, like, there's just guys that have this, this specialty, you know. Yeah. But anyway, so... <laughs> so, Houston and Aaron and Brad and CJ. 
Perf. And Jerry. <laughs> Just because. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm going to scoop in American Sniper because I learned it's a terrible date movie this weekend, and that was a terrible experience. So I'm going to try and get some good karma. Throw that out there. <laughs> Word of advice uh, to all the people at home. Uh, did you did you really think American Sniper was like a date movie? No, I, <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to see Birdman, but it was sold out. So we saw oh, okay. American Sniper and all right. terrible, terrible date movie. Um, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, I heard it was good though. I heard it was yeah. a good movie, or really? I heard people were happy with it. Uh, good movie not to be a stretch, but it, it's it funny that you movie. say happy because that's the exact opposite emotion I would say anywhere involved with that movie. <laughs> well, there's right? people that go to like the guy that went to Expendables is going to American Sniper, right? Well, I American Sniper was also just like kind of a good movie. Like I can see why it's nominated for all these awards. Just very well done, very. Emotional, very well put together, tugs at all the right heartstrings, but none of those heartstrings are romance. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, so, would you say that or Interstellar is a worst date movie? Uh, I would. Interstellar honestly, seems like a terrible date movie. Uh, I would honestly say Interstellar would be better than American Sniper because American Sniper is just like smash cuts of Afghan children getting blown up and smash cuts to suffering from PTSD back <laughs> in the States. Just like, uh, at least Interstellar isn't real. <laughs> All right, how about Saw? I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Scott's <laughs> <laughs> Saw's a horror movie. They'll, they'll be scared. They'll turn to you for protection. American no, they'll throw like... up on you. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen 8mm? No. Like on a ruler? All right, no. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, the cut cuts action. <laughs> Not a very good one. <laughs> the worst. The worst one. <laughs> well, to cut that short, I also want to scoop in uh, CJ just because I love having him on the cast and answering all the questions that are bugging me for weeks on end. So thanks again, CJ, and of course Houston, uh, our first guest. I want to say definitely one of our best guests. So I appreciate you sticking around and uh, bantering with us for so long. Oh yes, oh yeah. Fun. Yeah, and I'm glad. I'm, yeah, I'm glad because I knew you were going to have a lot of insight on the proxy stuff too, and I, I was hope I wanted to hear if you had any uh, tips, any ways that it had gone off or not gone off successfully, and why. Like I knew you had the experience with it, so I'm glad you. I'm glad you were willing to share that with us. Glad I can help. And who would you like to scoop in, Houston? Uh, well, of course, you guys for having me on again. Giving this a second round, you know. There we go. Uh, yeah, so uh, I appreciate that and. And at least this one will go out and make can oh, how dumb better, I am. So it'd be better great. knock on wood right now because if this if this recording fails, <laughs> well, I mean, no one's gonna ever hear this anyway. So <laughs> I already got my basis covered. <laughs> if it's lost, no one ever knows. I didn't even break a promise. It's <laughs> great. Touche, good sir. Touche. Yeah. So and then let's scoop in John Celso, which was, he was on last week, my co-host yeah. over at Tap and Sack. Uh, awesome guy, and I don't know what I do with Adam. He, he's been with me over a year, and we've had a blast over there. Uh, it's a lot of hard work for two people to to fill a cast, so I, I definitely respect you guys for taking that on. Yeah, because, no shit. I never realized how much, man. Yeah, it, yeah, it's definitely a lot. And without with mine and his like schedule bouncing around, we haven't had guests on in like two months. Because <laughs> sometimes it's like, hey, can we you record tonight? And I'm like, I can. Can you? Yeah, I think so. I'll let you know later. Like, that, 
That's like three nights a week, we, and then we finally go, oh, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's let's grind one out, you know. Pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, like, if someone's not feeling good or, you know, whatever, like, I don't, if I don't feel like I'm up to par to cast and I can't give a somewhat decent experience, I don't feel like I should cast, you know. Right. Because I, I want to, I want to be at least, try to be entertained, you know. But or yeah. at least be myself, you know, I, I don't want to be dis, discouraged from talking. I don't want to talk less just because I don't feel good. That's... The whole point of the cast is for me to yap. So if I can't yap, then not worth casting. But uh, kinda, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You're just scooping people in. Never fucking never mind me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to scoop in all the sacklings, the guys that support our our show. Um, oh, is with, that what your followers are called? That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I well, love that. It's, it's a weird story. It was kind of the pittimps guys. Like track, I put up a survey on the Facebook page, yeah. and uh, they like put up like a voting thing, and they like spiked it into Sacklings. But I was like okay with the name, so some people thought it was like a little gross or whatever, or degrading. They're like your fans don't want to be called that, and I was like, whatever, they don't have to call themselves that. It's like, I, well, it's it makes more sap- sense than like anything else. <laughs> yeah, Saplings, and then you know sap. Uh. They yeah. don't understand the true beauty of puns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what are you going to call them? Like, the group? The cool guys? <laughs> the listeners? Like, I don't know. It, I mean, that made more sense than anything. You might have it somewhat relevance to the show, so. Like, exactly. It, just because you think of ball sack first doesn't mean that's what everybody else thinks, you know? Yeah. I mean, look how successful uh, the SVU is with Heavy Meta. I mean, that it, it's turned into its own brand. Yeah, well, that's that's Maddie Studios. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> branding magician. Yeah, yeah, the guy's uh, the guy's good at what he does for sure. <laughs> uh, would you mind if I just plug a couple of things of of mine? Yeah, just no, quick? go for it. Okay, I, I wanted to ask for. Um, I and love- we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just being a dick. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I have a website, tmsgingerl. dot com, where I, I, I kind of write like media, music, philosophy, and sometimes like MTG stuff. If you want to check it out, I try to write frequently. I've got so much stuff on my plate. A lot of the stuff's hard to consistently do, like weekly. But I also have an article coming up on Brainstorm Brewery this week called "The Financial Five for Fate Reforged." So it's a uh, Basically, take five cards, and I'm going to tell you the five cards I think out of the set that will gain value over the standard, the new standard. Um, of course, if you get a chance after you finish listening to all these shows, uh, jump over also on the MTG Cast Network, Tap and Sack, uh, T A P N S A C. No punctuations in that. We keep it simple. Uh, and if you're subscribed through MTG Cast, if you could jump over to iTunes and subscribe. There, that helps us a lot. Actually, a lot more, because uh, we can track the numbers a lot better, and it gives us a lot better feedback. But uh, while you're over there, if you want to leave a review, that would help us out, too. And uh, tabinside.com, we try to put some stuff up every now and then. It keeps up with all the announcements. And we got a fan page and a group page uh, on Facebook if you, if you want to join our community as well, because there's a lot of great communities out there, a lot of great podcasts like this one and Pitimps and us that – Really love interacting with everyone that that listens in, and we even love when you. I, I, I'm sure I'm speaking for these guys too. We love even if you send us something that we did wrong, like especially during spoiler season. I'll get messages like, "Uh, you are arguing this point, and the card doesn't do that." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I know that." Well, they don't know that I know that, but I edit the podcast, so I hear that. 
Right, right. <laughs> but I leave it in. Like, uh, I'm yep. just going to make my self stop. Look at that. Look at that. I'm human. Uh, Who the fuck knew? <laughs> Every, everyone does that. And as long as it's not, like, a 30-minute conversation incorrect, like, if it's yep. just, um, you know, a 10-second fuck-up, then I'll just leave it in because... That's, it's natural. I, I'm there to, to make yep. the. I'm there to edit to make it smooth, not take out, um, you know, stupid things we say. I'm not trying to make us sound perfect because if we ever had a live cast, that would be terrible. He's like, oh my gosh, these guys are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would be amazed, maybe, about the amount of stupid tin fins things I take out that I say. <laughs> but like, along along with that, though, I was noticing that. So there was actually some. Uh, so yeah, last week we had Celso on. And then there was um, some comments coming in, so like, I'm just going to reference these quick. So Michael put up a link to MCG Salvation just to let me know that Graph Digger's Cage Stops Manifest. Of course, he doesn't realize, like, I'm actually already talking to CJ about that anyway, but that's cool. Um, Two steps ahead of you, man. Two steps yeah, also, it also manifests on Planeswalkers as a non and I actually thought that you had mentioned that last week anyway. Um, so I just kind of replied to him, yes, I believe you are correct, good sir, thank you. Is Omniscient still open game, though? And I never heard back. So Ali also said, uh, thanks for going over Tiny Leaders, great podcast, good to oh, yeah. one on Legacy, good job. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm that, gonna... that topic, after we had on the cast, took off way more than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Tiny Leaders, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, we had like a 30-minute like segment about it or something, and, man, that just took off. So yeah, like, no one's talking about anything else for like four days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, tiny leaders. Everybody's that, brewing up new format. Oh, it's because that format sounds sick. Uh, yeah, it sounds like fun. Brainstorm Brewery brought it up too. They, yeah, uh, we're just like, do we have to transfer over to like a tiny leaders cast? Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put one together once I finish. I'm making a Prime Speaker Zagana. It's my first ever like not from the box EDH decks. Because before I just bought all those commander. I don't think you can use Prime Speaker Zagana in Tiny Leaders. No, no, I'm just saying. After, oh, okay. after I make Prime Speaker Zagana, I'm a bump with these. <laughs> and then uh, also, if if you're going to any events here soon, I'm going to GP Memphis on February 21st through the 23rd, and I'm planning on attending GP Vegas. So if you're going to any of those, definitely hit me up. Tweet me at TNS Ginger Ale if, if you want to. I do make a list, like, a month before the event. I'll start making a list of, like, people to meet. So if you tweet at me, then uh, I'll try to put you on that list, and i try to get to everybody or whatever. But um, I'm actually going to keep that in mind because a couple of the guys I'm going down, I was going down with bailed out, so now I'm even debating whether I should go down or not. But Memphis or Vegas? Ah, uh, Vegas. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. I know everyone who's anyone's going to be at Vegas, but it's good to know people you actually know. <laughs> yeah, See, you know, yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'm okay to be a no one. I'm okay to be a nobody. Are you going to Vegas? I didn't know you were going or not. No, I'm a nobody. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody who's anybody is going to Vegas, oh, um, oh I see. I thought no, I'm probably not going to Vegas, cause, and I'm but nobody. I, I didn't mean it that. I way. thought it was a self-conscious comment. I was like, yeah, I, 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 you're, you're a person. No, yeah. I just, we had a conversation <laughs> with somebody. So no, I just been I, I just been debating. Uh, actually, I haven't really. My debate has really been Seattle, like the Legacy GP. What's what's the format in Memphis, Houston? Standard. Um, so I'm debating Seattle, and that's Legacy. And I have, like, I just got no interest in Modern. Like, Modern Masters Limited, like that, that kind of sounds like fun. And, and running into a whole shitload of people, that kind of sounds like fun. 
I mean, keep uh, in mind, I'm in Tennessee. So, like, <laughs> Memphis is in Tennessee. So. Right, right, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not like, no, fuck I'm, yeah, standard, I can't wait. It, it's not that. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to encourage myself to, to play because I, I enjoy, actually enjoy limited right now more than standard, which is actually the first time in my career. No, I, mean, I could always playing. go. I could always go down there and do legacy side events anyway. Like that's all cool, you know. It's it's uh. Yeah. But like, I'm I'm I'm, I think well, yeah. I'm actually I'm relative. Yeah. All right. Everybody is younger than me. I'm kind of getting used to that idea. <laughs> so like, if, if I actually thought about GP Vegas, I have to actually convince the wife uh, that I'm going to take the time off of work to go fly down to Vegas for a magic thing. And Jerry just saw how nervous I was just going to Mohegan Sun with it. <laughs> so <laughs> never mind for Vegas. Yeah. Mohegan, Mohegan Sun's a uh, casino in Connecticut. We've we've gotten into arguments with slot machines. <laughs> Don't go to them. Go play magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then, but then I got to tell her. Oh no, I'm going to go over that, to Vegas problem, without that's you. That's a pr- problem. He's in. Uh, Adrian's going to be playing magic, and Lita's going to be. Oh, the flashing lights! They're amazing. <laughs> That's what she loves. It blinks and it spins and it does cute little things. And I'm like, yeah, and it just yeah, honey. But you lost a thousand dollars and I lost fifty. Yeah, right. Well, I and I cracked because of your blinking lights. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of I think, and I think that's probably one of the reasons I play Legacy too. Is like at one point, if I go down to the casino, I I give myself like it's one hour or a hundred dollars, whichever one's gone first. And, like, one day I just left there, like, I could have got fucking Candelabra or Thanos for that shit. <laughs> so I just ended up getting Candelabra. So I'm like, fuck this, I'm just going to play like Yeah, this. I was at the blackjack table, and I kept putting down Tarmogoyfs, and they, they wouldn't accept it. Yeah. We're having a Star City Violet's price, though. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I got to take off, but pleasure as always. See you next week. The tournament is over and the store is closing. Feel free to see us during normal business hours by emailing the show at leavingalegacymtg at gmail.com. You can also find the host on Twitter with Adrian at Mathema Trickster and Jerry at JMEE3RD. You can also join the Leaving a Legacy Facebook group to stay connected. 